Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 131. Wow. I am accompanied by my bean juice. It's given me the energy of the sun. Do you feel very energetic? Yeah, Very dude. tapped in Look right this. now? I only have a third left. I'm worried. You've been doing the thing lately where you've been switching off of coffee and going sure. back to like peach green tea, peach green tea lemonade to be specific. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had to because um, I'm on tray number two of my Invisalign, uh, two of 15, by the way. Oh, yeah. This isn't something we've detailed on Not any episodes of The Saver. Yet. Really? And uh, Tell us about your teeth. Week, I've been telling everybody about my teeth. Like, I tell my coworkers about my teeth. Like, uh, my boss makes it a big joke where it's like, okay, before we get started... Let's talk about Kevin's teeth. <laughs> like almost every team meeting that we have. They've actually like retitled your stand-ups to like the teeth talk. Yeah, or teeth something talk. like that. Welcome to my teeth talk, or I usually not welcome to the teeth talk. <laughs> like that. I don't have them in right now because yeah. I, I I did one podcast in one stream with them on and I mm-hmm. hate the way that I sound like um what's that one cat? The the suffering succotash cat from Looney Tunes? Sylvester the cat man. Yeah. Sly the cat. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Who is that fucker? I can. I know vision. Daffy. Like he, he's yeah, the other Daffy him. Duck, but like yeah. a fucking Kmart Daffy Duck. He's the he's the value brand Daffy Duck. What I'm is, gonna look him up. I, this is actually breaking my brain. I think his I, name is Sylvester. You might be right, but like I, Sylvester with a what? The cat? That's not good. Daffy Duck. That's alliteration. No, right? I think you're Sylvester. Yeah, it's just Sylvester. Sylvester. You God, nailed that. God damn it, Looney Tunes. God damn it, Looney Tunes. Sucker and Suckatash. Well, anyway, week one was incredibly uncomfortable. Hmm. He has a middle name. Please. Sylvester James Pussycat Sr. Oh. <laughs> I, I'd like to be a senior pussycat. Nice. <laughs> okay. Nice. Well, yeah, week one was incredibly uncomfortable. Um, putting them on and taking them off uh, felt horrible. It was like uh, pulling teeth. Because <laughs> it was and it hurt. Uh, but I'm trying to fix my fucking teeth, uh, and it's going to take 30, 30 weeks of that. Wow. Now, it's not just like, oh, you put in little trays and you're good to go. That sounds better than braces. No, they put attachments all over my fucking teeth, uh, about eight, these little divots that are supposed to help shift and turn my teeth when I put on the trays. Mm-hmm. And so even when I take off the trays, there feels like there's like grain and stuff. And I also have these two what are called buttons on my upper molars where I'm supposed to attach rubber bands for my tray to these buttons Mm -hmm. so that my jaw also i don't know does something yeah like realigns with them they're just changing shit i'm becoming more (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna have the most powerful giga chad face ever right perfectly straight teeth yeah i'm gonna look great yeah i think your teeth have a lot of personality as is right now okay yeah I don't know. I've I've never quite like no. They they like they yeah. strike me as like those are very Kevin teeth, right? Like I've oh. just gotten used to how they look in, in in your head, and I've never like really thought you needed to have them fixed. But I guess you go to a dentist enough times, and they tell you, right. you know what, we got to fix these teeth for you. I've always I, to be honest, I've always been embarrassed by my teeth because yeah. I have like clustered um, Tom Hardy teeth on the bottom row, but I don't have the Tom Hardman body <laughs> yeah. to like make to up distract. for that. Yeah, yeah, women be like, I don't care how he smiles, he fucking flexes. You know, no, 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 no. Does I, does it impact the way you smile you think yeah i yeah. don't smile with my bottom like i don't open my bottom lip to smile yeah. i don't do that you do the like top exposure you do this weird fucking <laughs> no no way dude no way uh but yeah i i, I do a smirk yeah famously do. my work badge has me just smirking without mm-hmm. like any teeth showing because i'm just embarrassed by them mm-hmm. but i'm gonna i'm gonna realign these suckers i'm gonna go through the fucking work 
and uh, you're gonna see a one million dollar smile. I can't wait. You're gonna people are gonna jump onto my stream, twitch.tv slash red herb, and they're going to see a smile that blinds them. I will harm you and your eyes with a beautiful smile. That's a wow. promise for me to you. I was just gonna go with maybe it was a disarming smile by that point, but no, you're like I want to dismantle families and civilizations <laughs> with this thirty-six week smile. A dis- what is it? A disarming smile? It's like they're gonna send me to North Korea, and I will disarm all of their WMDs with my smile. <laughs> they're gonna send you to fucking uh, Russia and Ukraine to stop the war out there right. with a smile. Like yeah. uh, <laughs> it's like those old um, war. Yeah commercials where like you had like kylie jenner like standing in between like militia lines and like handing somebody a pepsi or a coke <laughs> no it's gonna be like putin's gonna be opening the ark of the covenant but it's my smile and just melt him right there or like when fucking uh black bolt likes talks <laughs> it's just gonna i'll be like <laughs> so this is for yulensky <laughs> and he just gets obliterated it's great so kudos to you getting the work done i think like getting dental work especially major dental work as an adult can super be super uncomfortable yeah it can be uncomfortable hate it i mean i had braces when i was in middle school and it was just kind of like it paired well with like awkward adolescence like my face was fucked up i had acne i had weird forehead pimples and all this yeah. i had bangs that i didn't know how to cut right but i also had braces you know but i also <laughs> had braces and it kind of okay. just tied the whole like awkwardness together and then right. like you know now as an adult i'm like i look pretty normal but like yeah you, you look know. like so you're like a garbage pail kid right like yeah one of those cards oh, yeah. like the most fucked up card in the deck <laughs> <laughs> walking around like smiling at yeah. girls <laughs> <laughs> this is a disgusting dan uh, he's card number 352 <laughs> You look like you're wearing the fucking contraption from the first Saw movie on your head (laughs) with your smile. So I actually like had really wanted braces growing up. I thought they looked cool. And I had actually asked for them one year for Hanukkah. And I think my aunt, my grandparents were like, yeah, you're going to get them anyway. Because my dentist, uh, who looked like George Clooney. Really? And I think this was probably why we kept going there. I think like there my my aunt was probably really attracted to him. Ray- yeah. Oh, she would always say it too. She's like, "Your dentist is pretty, pretty cute." Oh and my, I'm like, yeah, it's because he looks like fucking George Goodness. Clooney. Goodness. Um, he was a did, uh, good dude. Did the work for me. Uh, mm-hmm. Got it done. But I was super stoked when I when I got braces because they would <laughs> they had like colored bands and stuff, and yeah. you could basically like dictate what color they would be. And I would like be like, "Oh, let's do like blue and silver," or like I would do like colors based off of like sports teams, oh. even though I don't like sports. Um, but I was, this is a weird, like, Daniel lore story. Okay. Um, I was super into Roller Coaster Tycoon. The around, game? Yeah, around this era. Sick. And, you know, you could build, like, fucking rides, and you could do, like, the color schemes of them, too. So I would model my rubber bands and color scheme based off of rides I built in my Roller Coaster oh my Tycoon God. parks. So I'd have, like, sharp reds and silvers and blues and purples, and then it would match, you know, the rides that I was <laughs> making people go on in my uh, hell park. So let, let me get this straight. In your hell park, your vision was, I want people to ride my mouth. That was your vision. <laughs> yeah, I guess in not so many words. Right. Yeah. No, that's completely fair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't often model the world around me uh, based on my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> then again, I podcast, I stream. I'm a great communicator at work. Perhaps my mouth is is my career. That's true. Right? I don't see Spotify giving me a $200 million deal. Maybe we need to have more misinformation on here. Did you know <laughs> that if you breathe in really hard while wearing a mask, you'll swallow it? <laughs> 
<laughs> Did you know that COVID transmission is more likely to transmit to your neighbors through farts? Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Did you know when it rains, it's actually, uh, it's COVID. <laughs> it's COVID. It's COVID rain. It ages you like in Death Stranding. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let it touch you. Oh, we'll get to that. Oh, we'll get we're going to get to Death Stranding. We have a lot to cover here. Bro. Yeah. Uh, so what it, let's lay the land for the people. This is okay. a normal news episode, believe it or not. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> the numbered one, yeah. it means news. Absolutely. The numbered one means news. There you go. There you go. Well, let me get into it. If you didn't know, we are The Save Room, the only gaming podcast that isn't delayed when gaming has actual delays. That that means we have to record an episode. Mm. This was obligatory. Okay? Spotify came in and said... (laughs) You gotta record this. Wait, where do you host this shit? SoundCloud. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Although we probably do get way more traffic on Spotify. I think so. But we don't have the numbers to really solidify any data. Uh, We don't have those Batman Unburied numbers. That's the number one podcast on Spotify, by the way. Is it really? It is. Wow. Yeah. Rogan's fuming. He's like, (laughs) I I got real muscles. Batman's got conceptual muscles. What the fuck is going on here? Fuck's going on here? Fucking SJW Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Did they take away his partnership? I know there was like a lot of like hullabaloo about that. No. Okay. No, they defend him staunchly. (laughs) They're like, I don't know. Sometimes he gets in there with, I, you know, some some gamer words here here and there. But I mean, come on, guys, you would not have survived Modern Warfare 2's lobbies if you're if you're offended by this. That's true. Is basically what this. That was their statement, public statement. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you can find us on SoundCloud.com/slash The Save Room Show, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, and maybe. I, I don't know. Stitcher. I really don't know that that's true. Stitcher. I don't think it's Stitcher. <laughs> okay. I don't think we're on Stitcher. Yeah. Maybe. No, maybe not. And you can get us on the on the R's. Is it RSS? RSS. I'm yeah. saying R's. R. You can find us at RS Technica. R's Technica. <laughs> yeah. That's true. They're they're breaking down the uh, the roller coaster tycoon. <laughs> yeah, he called it uh, mouth blaster. Is <laughs> right. Listen, there's a high satisfaction rate on the mouth blaster ride. You oh, know, really? Tens across the board. A lot of people throwing up though, but you know, yeah, I make them happy by the time they leave. So that's true. Yeah. I, I, what a horrible statement. <laughs> what a horrible. Well, it's like it's like the gravitron. You know that ride. Pretty intense, but right. probably one of my favorite rides to ride at any like carnival or park. Gotcha. If you're not hucking an elephant ear, it's not worth riding. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That you makes know. Sense. You makes know. Sense. Powdered sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you wanted to see uh, some of that shine that Kevin was talking about earlier, that mouth shine. Shine home. You can find him over at twitch.tv slash the red herb. He has been playing some games lately. <laughs> You don't laugh. He's been playing some games lately. Uh, he... Dude, actually, all week I've just been hosting my shaving streams. Oh. Yeah. Where so I why? slowly shave my leg up into the thigh. You know, what you can shave okay, on Twitch. Okay. Right, 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 right. <laughs> to the bikini line. <laughs> Wearing MeUndies. <laughs> We're not sponsored by MeUndies, nor Schick, nor we, anything. We will be. <laughs> but yeah, so you've been doing a few interesting little stream dangos here and there. Um, you've yeah. been doing Resident Evil, but... You're doing a new thing like today, yep. which the people will catch on the VOD later, where catch I guess the VOD. there has been a fan release version of like an HD remake of what Resident Evil 2 from 1998 yeah, 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 yeah. and Resident Evil Fuck, 3. Fuck, dude. I totally forgot 99. about this. I need to find their actual, uh, so it's Resident Evil HD project. Hang on. Here we go. Da, 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 da. So it's a classic Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 that this team did. You can find it online at uh, R-E-S-H-D-P, and you can download uh, 
it's interesting how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a modified version of the Dolphin emulator that allows you to play GameCube games. Okay. And so it has all of the asset pack there, about a gigabyte of asset pack. And what you do is you go in and find a totally, like, as long as you have a, an actual copy of the, the, the GameCube version. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that you would go online or find an ISO. Who the yeah. fuck would say that? But if you did, that's how it works. <laughs> So, and so you get, like, the GameCube rip of the game. I mean, you know, because you own a copy. You bought a real copy yeah. for GameCube, right? You know what I'm saying? And um, Don't come for us, Nintendo. Yeah. So they modify the, 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 the textures for that using AI upscaling. And uh, for the classic version, by the way, of R2, I'm not talking remake, right? Mm-hmm. And they use machine learning uh, with upscaled backgrounds and something called seamless masks, which scares me, and many other little texture improvements, right, that they do in order to HDify the games. Mm-hmm. Now, historically, the games have always looked like doo-doo caca. Yeah. Uh, unless you, like, you know, had, like, old. the PC version. They're old as fuck. PS1 games. And the port uh, to GameCube, I think, was even, like, the PC port that they did mm-hmm. was old-looking in low-res. This is a revelation. It looks so clear and crystal. It's basically... Uh, how you would remember the game in your head, mm-hmm. but then like go to the reality and be like, "Ooh, oh god, what is this fucking 240p? What the fuck?" You, no, less. It looks amazing. So they did part two and part three, and it, it runs perfectly. It, it goes up to sixty frames. Mm-hmm. It, I, I love it. I love it so much. It has added ten years to my life. Wow, ten years to my life. I have to thank this project. So you can get part part two and part three. And it's separate downloads for each where it's, um, like I said, it is a modified version of the Dolphin emulator, mm-hmm. uh, which means, you know, now that I have that, I can play other games on there. Yeah. I, but I, you know, totally own legit copies of, right. of the games and you don't have to worry about anything like ISOs. You don't, you know, it's, no, don't think about it. <laughs> don't think about it. <laughs> don't think Just about it. Just enjoy the content. But I love those games. It's like um, play, replaying the classic Resident Evil with the fixed perspectives and stuff is like my comfort game but it's more of um it's like almost like like meditation for me sure because i don't even have to think about that game that hard that it's so like i think when nick watches me stream nick of make monsters by the way go check out his stream he's fucking great uh he watches and goes it's really fun because it's like you know exactly where everything is going to be Mm -hmm. and you formulate your jokes around them (laughs) around the surprises of when mr x is going to show up and stuff and i'm like oh yeah i do that (laughs) but yeah it's, it's it's very cathartic going and playing the classic ones for sure. It's cool. It's cool as fuck. Nice. You should play. Yeah, I watched you play a little bit of it over your shoulder, and then you, you'd stream three the other night. Yeah, I did, I did And then three. today you're doing, what, A and B campaign uh, of two? Yeah, I'm doing, um, so it's going to be Leon A and Claire B, because I prefer Claire's B scenario, because mm-hmm. it makes more sense that Mr. X is chasing Sherry, and you have to, like, save Sherry in that campaign. Yeah. Unlike the remake... Uh, Mr. X is chasing Sherry because she has a sample of the G-Virus in mm-hmm. her locket. Spoiler for a 26-year-old game. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's amazing. I love playing him. So I'm going to play that today. Okay. Uh, for sure. Can I talk real quick since we're talking well, on the subject of Resident Evil? Sure. We got a teaser trailer that came out this week for Netflix's Resident Evil series. Right? The one starring Lance uh, Reddick? Yeah, mm-hmm. Lance Reddick as <laughs> Albert Wesker. And I got to tell you... Tonally, it's reminding me of the older films, all of the Paul W.S. films, like the -the over-the-top action, lots of monsters and shooting and, like, post-apocalypse vibes, Mm because it switches between um, what is called New Raccoon City in 2022 and then London in 2036, and it's featuring his his daughters are, like, fighting in the future and stuff. 
and it's like what what like hard sci-fi action kind of show thing and Mm -hmm. some people are like this could be any show yeah you didn't need to call this resident (laughs) evil but the writers are upholding the they are (laughs) putting their foot down and saying that this is a sequel to the games Wow. That the Albert Wesker that you saw in 2009 get his face blown off Mm -hmm. with a rocket launcher in a volcano Mm -hmm. is the same Albert Wesker you're seeing here, played by Lance Reddick. And part of the mystery of the show is figuring out how he is back. What? Like, what? (laughs) What's going on? There's probably some weird clone age or something that happened. Yeah, I mean, easy answers, yeah. right? But, like, th- to have that to be your fucking premise of, like, no, we're, we're just doing, like, our own version or anything, right? No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. They're like, it, the games are our backstory, is literally what they said. And I'm like, what? Which makes it even more interesting, because I think the initial pitch of, like, all right, we're going to tell, like, this dual timeline story of <laughs> Albert Wesker and his kids. Yeah. A little weird, right? Like, when we got Welcome to Raccoon City, I think that was more in alignment of what you and I wanted of like a screen treatment. Right. Of they the, fucked that one up. Yeah. Um, and then this one, at, at first blush, I was like, okay, like, I don't know that I'm really into the idea fully, but I'll watch it. And now mm-hmm. hearing this, I'm like, all right, you got, you got me in for this one. Like, I want to know how we're going to, how we're going to do that transition of story, how we're going to continuate all of that. And I mean, there's the, the thing too, where it's like, you know, Albert Wesker, originally pretty Aryan looking, pretty white. Pretty Aryan looking. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now not. Yeah, Lance Reddick? Not. Pretty black, you know? Pretty black. Yeah, pretty great actor, though. So I think I think he's going to be great for the I role. think he's great. No, yeah. the, and the, the creators of the show are just like, I, I don't, we didn't want to uh, constrain ourselves yeah. in any way with the casting. And we think that, that, that uh, adaptations that do are mm-hmm. weaker. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Say like, that good, good. Shows that do, like, face casting very deliberately. <laughs> yeah, that's like stupid. No shade to, like, The Last of Us TV show, because I think that's going to be pretty interesting. But, like, getting, you know, Pablo Pascal, who looks pretty much like joel and then uh bella ramsey who like you know looks like a younger version of Elliot's. like tell tell me who play albert wesker in welcome to raccoon city i don't know the dude's name exactly yeah (laughs) Uh, exactly they had released some like kind of screenshots and stills from it though and we got some looks of like the liquors and some of the zombies and monsters look better yeah they they really do it's like this is where like I feel like a lot of budget maybe went into this one. Oh, is this where we're talking about Netflix's overspending? Yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. They tore the it show. away from all the animation yeah. studios and all the people that they, you know, moved God. to California just to fire to put it into zombie right. budget. You know? Right. A lot of, lot, of, lot of zombie shots. Yeah. I mean, a lot of really cool shots. I'm getting some Land of the Dead vibes from this. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, anything that reminds me of Land of the Dead should be just upheld <laughs> and protected like a child. Uh, I'm hey, Listen, I'm going to always watch something that says Resident Evil, sure. even if I end up hating it. Like that terrible CG anime thing, Infinite Darkness. Mm-hmm. God-awful piece of shit. God-awful piece of shit. I think there was some high hopes for that, too. Uh, yeah, somehow. You <laughs> were right. Resident Evil, what a complicated ball of wax, where I think the most rewarding place to be a Resident Evil fan is with the games and maybe the extended, like, book media but when it comes to like the movies and whatever else we're getting animes it's just like it feels like wild fan fiction half the time yeah (laughs) wild fan fiction or really beside the point or like paul w sanderson's films are like hey i made an oc and decided to make that the protagonist of Mm -hmm. of resident evil and it's like what did you do (laughs) what happened (laughs) why would you do that (laughs) and it worked for Hmm. six movies apparently made a bunch of money yeah when is this new show out uh, July 15th or 17th. Oh, that's that. soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Apparently the two first episodes are, um, the first two episodes are being screened for critics and people are saying it's not terrible. It's not terrible so far. You know what? I could vibe with it's not terrible, especially I, with some of the too. recent adaptations yeah. we've got. Uh, some people can't say the same about the Halo show, you know? Well, Master Chief has sex in that one, so obviously there's something they're doing right. Does that bother you? Does it bother me? Yeah. Yeah. It does bother me because, as we know, in the games, Master Chief is kinetically, chemically castrated. It's true, he is. That his, <laughs> his little chief cannot get up. It's not the point. He's mm-hmm. a battle machine. He's not there to fuck. He's there to fuck shit up. I think this sh- show broke two cardinal rules. They yeah. took off his helmet. Yeah. And they took out his dick. They took out his dick. Yeah. What's going on here? I don't know. What is going on with this show? This, this bewildering Paramount Plus show. What? I'm not getting Paramount Plus. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I think I have it because like you could just <laughs> sign up for it and you'll get free episodes of stuff. And you haven't skipped directly to the episode where the Master Chief has oh, sex. Oh, actually, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I have Peacock, different P streaming service. What? Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that out. Um, no, don't take it out. What was I getting? The say? Office. You did it for the yeah, Office, did it for the didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Bitch. Free episode. They have up to season five is free to stream. Okay. Some pretty Up good to stuff season right there. five. Yeah, really? I don't know why. Like season six and on is like this is what you got to pay for. There really isn't. You got to pay for the Will Ferrell season seasons. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> weird. That's weird. That's weird. Okay. Uh, what was I gonna say? Um, so some people are saying I don't know if maybe like the events of the the last episode have kind of put it into motion, but they're saying him having sex and all the events that happen there are triggering what is like what the fall of reach arc <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing i've ever heard that the catalyst for the fall of reach yeah. i don't know what it means well, all of the first line of spartans get murdered murdered daniel yeah. is master chief having sex are you kidding me that's the catalyst for the fall of fucking reach <laughs> Never mind the fucking holy war that the Covenant are waging against humanity. No, 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 no. The Master Chief coming into a woman is the fall of Reach. I mean, wars have been, like, started over spilled semen and sex. So, like, I'm not really surprised. Apropos, apropos, somebody was looking at the the classics and going, you know what Halo's missing? I I think they took, they probably took influence from, like, Helen of Troy and stuff like that, you know? The fucking face that launched a thousand ships. I love so Halo's a Grecian like uh, fable and epic. Now. There it is. I yeah. like it. I like it. All right. Well, Master Chief, way to go, uh, Liv Schreiber's brother. Was it Pablo? Pablo Schreiber. Schreiber yeah. Pablo Schreiber. Okay, nailed it. Yeah, nailed he's it. good. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whew. Should we get to some news? <laughs> Actually, before we get to some news, real I knew quick, it. <laughs> I, I do want to pick your brain real quick because yeah, touch it. Obviously, we probably won't do a plays for a minute at the rate that news is happening every fucking week. You guys got to stop yeah, putting fuck out me, news, dude. What the hell? Um, a game came out yesterday that you seem like you're going to be pretty lukewarm on. Talk to me about Saber Interactive's new game. Is that what it is? Evil Dead the Game. Evil Dead the Game. Yeah. So it is a game that is definitely hemming the same inner pants that uh, Friday the 13th the game and Dead by Daylight are. Mm-hmm. And I don't really jam on asymmetrical jobbies like that. I'm not not a big fan of that kind of thing. I don't... Either it sucks playing as a survivor because all you're doing is hide and seeking or you have to figure out goofy mechanics for like a monster that's chasing uh all these humans mm-hmm. also i'm really bothered by what's happening with like the sun <laughs> right now it's, it's going right now. in like just these crazy revolutions where it'll be yeah. like super bright in here and then it completely goes down and it's like fucking nightfall that's why i can never use a green screen during the daytime mm. uh because of this bullshit you gotta get blackout curtains everyone tells me that i don't know how to do stuff that involve walls as you can see i can barely put up shelves 
They're not up. They're not up. They're I think the, you're, you're waiting ground. for me to help you put those up. Yeah. So, I mean, we could do it after this. You want to do it after this? Yeah, we could put up some shelves. Okay. But they got to be straight. Okay. <laughs> we'll get a leveler. We'll put them up straight. Evil Dead the Game is a game that looked like I wouldn't be interested in. I even watched, like, uh, preview footage of it. And I said to myself, oh, I don't want to do this, like, multiplayer thing. And then I played it last night. Mm-hmm. And I ended up having an extreme amount of fun. The biggest difference here, unlike the hide-and-seeky games, is you get to fight the fuck back. And it's really fun to fight the fuck back. You got melee, you got guns, you got boomsticks, you got chainsaw hands, you got uh, classes across the different characters, like hunter class or support classes that heal everyone and stuff. And you have almost every era of Ash Williams, from The Evil Dead all the way to Ash versus Evil Dead, where he's an Mm. old man. It is phenomenally fun and it's a way sturdier game than you would expect you know how those games like they launch and they're fucking floaty or pretty gummy yeah jason Voorhees is flying to the moon and stuff and you're like okay i guess i won the match or whatever the fuck and connection errors left and right i haven't experienced that in my first Hmm. playthrough at all i'm surprised at how how uh responsive like some of the uh the melee is too Mm -hmm. my comparison is weird but it feels a little bit like god of war 2018's melee yeah you told me that and i was like wait what yeah like the shoulder base like r1 r2 for like light and heavies but it's very like hey you got some big heavy meaty swings and stuff Mm -hmm. it's like that but the idea is you have a bunch of like deadite npcs littered across the map so it's it's 4v1 but the one is kind of like a deadite mastermind but they can do things like possess individual deadites, so they become red on the map, and you know it's a human-controlled one. Mm-hmm. Or they become like their hero deadite, like Evil Ash or Henrietta from Part Two. Or um, there's uh, the weird, fucking, horrible teleporting creature from Ash vs. Evil Dead that was really, really cool design. And they can do that at certain like pockets within the match, and it's cool fighting them. But you uh, have to like fight against the the deadites that they keep on like throwing at you and you can get execution finishers on them and depending on like the strength of the items that you're picking up like shovels and uh, machetes and swords and stuff uh you can either get like one or two hits and get the execution or it takes like you know a couple more that's really fun Hmm. like it's really cool and fun right and there's a fear meter in the game too if you're left in the dark your purple fear meter goes all the way up and be leaving you more susceptible to possession where the, the enemy AI can, or not the AI, but the enemy player can possess you and make you attack all your friends. And the oh, way cool. that they get you unpossessed is by whacking the shit out of you. <laughs> it's really fucking funny every time it happens. And like, so me and Nick were playing because he was watching me play and he was just like, dude, how long do you be playing this tonight? And I was like, I play for a while more. I'm having a great time. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I downloaded it. <laughs> and we jumped in and I'm not kidding you. He said at least 17 times in one session. This game rules, mm. like, over and over. And I'm like, I agree. There, there's so much going on where um, you're on these big, I think, Friday the 13th maps where you can even, like, pick up cars and drive around. Uh, you have objectives to collect pages from the Necronomicon and then bring it to a certain point where you have to do basically, like, a um, like a domination, like, defense zone mm-hmm. where... like the enemy demon could see everyone on the map when that happens and will send like hordes at at you and you have to wait until like you uh invoke the book or whatever the fuck it is like Mm -hmm. you'll see a meter on the screen and then you got to do it again to go grab the kandarian dagger and then you go to a different point in the map i know it sounds complicated but it's actually like pretty easy once you get into the flow of it because 
when you get near the pages of the book, it actually marks it on the map for you. Which is nice. Which yeah. is nice. It'll, it'll tell you, here's a general vicinity. It might be in, like, the cabin. It might be in, like, a pain manor or whatever. But when you get near it, it's like, oh, it's right there. You grab it. Everyone knows that you grabbed it. And then you move on to the next point. It's fucking great. Uh, I really like the objective-based stuff that's going on there. Because it, it adds cohesion to what could be, like, a stupid free-for-all. Mm-hmm. Right? It adds this cohesion of, like, oh, we can move together. And as long as we're together, our fear meter, like, stays down. Or we can grab matchsticks and, like, uh, light bonfires or lanterns mm-hmm. to get it all the way down so that we're, like, protected. So there's, like, a little, like, there's these um, mechanics that, you know, unlike Anthem's solution of teleporting players to each mm-hmm. other, it's kind of like, no, 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 no. There's a benefit to sticking together. And also, like, if you're getting swamped by deadites, it is amazing to see four people whacking and slashing and shooting boomsticks together. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking fun. I... I had a lot of fun with that. I, I think that's a game I'm going to keep on going back to. Wow. I want to get more people on this game because I think with a full suite of four players like communicating and talking, mm-hmm. there is a lot of fun. Yeah, you told me you were going to buy it for everybody in the community. I'm going to buy it for everybody. $40, right? 40 bucks right now. Nice. Yep. Pretty and cool. crossplay, full crossplay. Yes. Yeah, I, w- I was asking, I was like, oh, what is Nick playing it on? Is he playing it on like Game Pass? And you're like, no, he's just playing it on PC. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it. So I'm not really into that like asynchronous multiplayer thing because uh-huh. um, I, especially with multiplayer co-op games like that, where you're doing like horde based stuff, like I definitely like the gameplay to be a bit more sturdy. This one's sturdy, and and hearing that like the combat is really solid makes me happy. Uh, hearing that there's such a cool variety of play and like ways to work together, it it's neat. It definitely seems like a game though that is more benefited by playing with a group of people than playing like I think so by yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is there like a PVE mode? Like, sort of. So I was actually surprised by how they did it. It's not just the four v one, but I mean, there's permutations of the four v one. You can do it where you're playing against a human, or you can have four co-op, the survivors fighting against a demon AI, mm-hmm. which is cool because that's basically the co-op mode. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the AI being as super aggressive or griefy as like a human player. Would okay, be. cool. Um, and then you could do permutations like that where like oh, I'm the demon fighting like you know mm-hmm. uh, I think AI and stuff, but. But there isn't any, like, when it comes to the main multiplayer stuff, there isn't different modes than that. Oh, okay. It's always going to be, like, hey, survivors versus a dead-eyed demon. Okay. Right? Whether it's AI or not, up to you. And if you want to play solo, you can be, it's a dumber time, but, and I tried it first, and we fucking lost, but it was me, human, all the survivors were AI, and the enemy was AI. Mm -hmm. So you can do, like, practice, basically. Can you set, like, a different difficulty for that when you're playing by yourself? No. No. Okay. No, there's no there's no difficulties in this game. Okay. It is like one uh, balance to it, hmm. basically, okay. which I think is pretty part and parcel for for games of this type. Yeah, I, I think so too. Not necessarily part and parcel for Saber Interactive because, like, thinking of World War. Oh, Z, World War Z. Yeah, because like, that was that was definitely PVE. Yeah, yeah, it was PVE, and then like each story mode and episode. Um, each episode, rather, within the story had, like, difficulty modes that you could choose. Yeah, that game is based off of Left 4 Dead. This one's definitely a Dead by Daylight. Okay, cool. So, like, that that's one thing to keep in mind. If, like, if you're not into those games, your mileage might vary. But it's one of those games where I feel like it's an exception to the rule of me, like, not enjoying asymmetrical multiplayer games. Hmm. Um, part of it is I love Evil Dead. The other part is it plays really fucking well. Yeah. Like, there's some jank. It's, it's day fucking one for this game, right? Mm-hmm. There's some jank to, like... Um, uh, when you're doing the executions and you're watching another player do it, sometimes they like teleport in weird ways and stuff. Just normal multiplayer shit. Sure. Right? But I think it's far more impressive than I think anyone would have guessed uh, right out of the gate. So I'm having a lot of fun. Now, nice. there is a single player mode, by the way, like a super single player mode where you're just like by yourself fighting deadites in little like 
tiny missions things okay. like oh you're you're old ash you need to pick up all the beer for a party or something and then you have to like fight deadites here and there oh that's fun like little kind of gimmicky scenarios yeah and it's good to like understand some of the mechanics that way but it they, i feel like those are such an afterthought and the balance is so fucking off like i was repeating like the third mission over and over because by the time i got to the boss i just had no like health or it's called shemp's beer in this shemp is a reference to evil dead okay um to actually the production of Evil Dead. It's not even a reference to like something in the lore, which is really funny to me. Hmm. But um Yeah, it seems like it really knows the the source material and like what the fans would like from it. The people that made this game are like me. They listen to every single permutation of the audio commentaries for every <laughs> single one of these films. That's of cool. which there are many. <laughs> no, it's it seems like a great game for the fans. I don't know that like I feel like there's two buckets of people that are gonna try it out, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe a third. We'll say people who love Evil Dead, streamers who like, you know, fucking Dead by Daylight games like that. And yeah. then if it does come to like Games Pass down the line, people who just maybe want to try it out for the fuck of it. Yeah. But no, that that's really fucking cool. Um, is there anything you want to see from it? Because obviously like games like this have content roadmaps right there's bound to be like new scenarios new characters and stuff like that yeah i think there's a few characters that are missing i think we talked about it earlier it'd be cool to see um characters pulled in from evil dead remake yeah uh, like mia for instance who's like the the ash of that story mm-hmm. um and i think locales new new maps or thing i think there's two primary maps in the game so far but they're huge they're huge maps and the thing that they do is they have like different versions of the same maps like mm-hmm. there will be one covered in snow and during the day rather than foggy night and it kind of like changes the texture of it hmm. and also depending on the um enemy deadite that the player chooses it changes all of the npcs that are attacking you so it could be where it's normal flesh and blood uh deadites which is very gory by the way when you attack those fuckers or it could be the skeletons from army of darkness hmm. if you're playing as evil ash and you're just fighting like hordes of skeletons with their own powers too for instance, there's like, uh, like in the movie, there's a skeleton playing the flute, and it, <laughs> and it buffs all the skeletons around him. And you have to kill him in order, in order to make the skeletons weaker. Okay, and that's then fun. the the enemies from Ash vs Evil Dead, which are like the eyeless fuckers with the mouths, and they're wearing like fucking like leather jackets and coming at you, really weird fuckers. Mm-hmm. They explode whenever they die, unless you do an execution on them. So you have to worry about that shit. Hmm. It's really cool. There's a, there there's actually a decent amount of variety to play here. It's not just like the same thing every time, which I really enjoy. Uh, I think it's very much a love letter to the fans, and mm-hmm. that might be a little bewildering for people that are used to, like, let's say, Dead by Daylight being just a fucking dumping ground of horror IP. Yeah. And being like, oh, I wish there was, like, Silent Hill shit in here, and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, this is Evil Dead. Yeah. The whole DNA is Evil Dead. I do want to say, though, uh, the graphics are fucking great in this game. Yeah, when you told me that it actually like looked like pretty amazing, <laughs> like next gen, I was surprised. Yeah, I'm playing on PS5 and I was like, yo, this doesn't look like quote unquote a budget title. It mm-hmm. looks like they put their whole ass into like making it look good. Right on. And the humor's there, Bruce Campbell's doing the lines and stuff. People are saying shit like Kelly from the shows, like, this is how we do it in Michigan. <laughs> it's so fucking good. I, I it is a delight. It's a, it's a treat for me. I, I like I like the fact that uh this game gets it right on so many fronts where it's even allowing me to enjoy a genre of game that I don't traditionally like. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Evil Dead the game. Fucking Great awesome. shit. Out now. Out now. Well, let's screw get to the heads. news. You gotta call them screwheads. You gotta call them screwheads. Yeah, the fans are screwheads. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, here's some news. <laughs> here's some news for you, screwheads. Here's some fucking news for you. We got some big news. We're gonna sure. start with a big one on here. Lay right? on you me, ready daddy. For it? You ready for it? Yeah. Number one. Starfield and Redfall have been delayed to 2023. How do you feel about that? Pretty bad? It feels inevitable. feels inevitable. Yeah. 
Oh my god, we got Thanos over here. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about it an episode or two ago where we thought they might have saved it for their um, Xbox Bethesda conference. Yeah. Like that they would announce like a new date at that point. So I guess it's fine that they got ahead of it. I think so. I think that would have been maybe like a little bit of a rude surprise to be mm-hmm. like, oh, here's some cool footage. You guys excited? It's not coming out in November. <laughs> yeah, at least at this point, maybe they have some footage lined up that they could show yeah. us to maybe kind of... Get us salivating for, you know, when it will come out. Apparently they do. So. so, let us begin by reading a quote from Twitter. Brought to you by Elon Musk these days. Isn't that fun? <sighs> Bethesda wrote, quote, We've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams at Arcane Austin, they make Redfall, and Bethesda Game Studios, who knows what they make, have incredible ambitions for their games. And we want to ensure that you receive the best, most polished versions of them never stopped them before <laughs> we want to thank everyone for their excitement for redfall and starfield that energy is a huge part of what inspires all of us every day and drives our own excitement for what we are creating end quote as the first two titles to release after microsoft's 7.5 billion acquisition of bethesda and the first two titles from bethesda to completely skip playstation consoles these delays leave a content gulf in xbox's AAA offerings for 2022 it's leaving many armchair speculators and amateur podcasters <laughs> i don't know who that is wondering when we'll see microsoft studio buying streak actually pay off while fans may be itchy for that new new the delay comes with relief developer relief on twitter jason schreier wrote oh my god jason schreier wrote quote last spring before e3 i spoke to some folks in starfield who were extremely worried about committing to an 11 11 2022 date based on the progress so far next cyberpunk was the term floated Ooh. good on bethesda for delaying even after announcing that specific date end quote i totally agree with that sentiment Mm-hmm. We we also talked in a previous episode about how a developer that used to work on the game was like, uh, they're going to have to cut a bunch of fucking content if they're going to make a November date, right? Mm-hmm. So it didn't seem like there's a lot of confidence at the studio that this game would be in any kind of good shape by that. So it's probably, like the Halo Infinite situation, a very good choice that's just going to make people angry, but they're dumb because they would have gotten a bad game if we released it like before it's ready. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's uh, it, especially in the face of hungry, like game hungry fans. It's right. like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Of but I don't know. I think I'd rather like like we had said previously. I think there's a lot riding on this release for Bethesda and for being the first kind of like Bethesda uh, Xbox exclusive since the acquisition and everything like that. This is important. It's important to get right, and yeah. um, it's it's better to have a game that you know is. I mean, it's probably going to still be a little buggy here and there, especially if they're writing a lot of different scenarios and, like, there's a lot of variation of play and agency. Like, there's going to be shit that goes unchecked. It's Mm. inevitable. But this gives them time to maybe flesh out some of the world a little bit more, maybe put in some more, like, supplemental material and missions and stuff like that and make sure it's kind of, like, finely tweaked for release. Um, Right. Put in more stuff. I, I think they're trying to fix the shit that they have on their plate. Yeah, that's de- one thing that they give out. Right? De- definitely. And uh, I mean, I think it, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes right now. I imagine they have probably main story scenarios yeah. down, and there's probably some kind of gaps otherwise that maybe they're trying to fill. 
Maybe. Right, right. Who, I mean, absolutely, who knows where it's at in this stage of development, We haven't right? seen anything from it, really. But the fact that, like, they're getting ahead of November and saying, like, this shit's not going to be ready by then, like, they know, like, months ahead of time, mm-hmm. kind of suggests that, like, yeah, this is not a very playable game mm-hmm. at this stage right now, right? Uh, previously, we heard that the flying mechanics fucking suck. The shooting is okay mm-hmm. at best, and the world's a bit empty. And when I say the world, it's a galaxy in this instance, because mm-hmm. it's Starfield, right? So these are things to fix, right? Yeah. These are things to fix, and I think um, I they really can't do another, and not that these games are comparable, because they're doing different things, but they can't have another Fallout 76. No. And they can't have it, no. like we're saying, as the fucking first like title to come out of them with after this acquisition, right? Like, it's going to make both of these companies look bad. And like, oh, well, 7.5 million, huh? Maybe we should have shaved off that 0.5. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at the way Fallout 76 came out. Yeah. You know, buggy disaster, yes. lack of content. Like, they had to continually, like, kind of hit the hit the roadmap on that one to make it content rich. And, and forgot to put NPCs in that one. Forgot to put NPCs in it. And Oops. then there was the whole PR, PR uh, disaster around, like, the special edition release and the bag and yeah. all this shit. I don't think this is going to like scale on the same level of this is going to be a release disaster. But right. if the game doesn't come out in a playable state, it's going to leave a lot of people wanting and a lot of people disappointed. It right? does make me very glad, though. Makes me very glad that Cyberpunk happened. Because now everyone in the AAA space is like, we can't have that happen to us. Yeah. We cannot be in news cycle like that. We can't have our studio's reputation slapped around in that way. Mm-hmm. CD Projekt Red, you were a martyr for the entire industry. I mean... I, I guess I, we've had games come out like How that previously. Like Fallout seventy six came out. No, before no, no, that. no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, Fallout seventy six did not have any level of anticipation that either Cyberpunk or Starfield has behind them. You're that right. is why they are pariah for the no. industry because it's like here is a super high profile release. Who gives a fuck about Fallout seventy six, right? Yeah, but Starfield. It, the thing is, like it, it was Starfield. a it was a Bethesda IP yeah. with a new kind of idea behind the gameplay. That is a spinoff. It wasn't like a full sequel. Yeah, but a, a Fallout game is a Fallout game to Fallout fans. No. There was a lot of like... I would say no. <laughs> I'm going to fight you on that one. It is. Like 76 got, like, got away a little bit because it was a spinoff instead of being Fallout 5. Sure. No, I'll give you that, that for not being a main entry title. But the fact of it being this like co-op experience, the mm. promise of raids and big moments and shit like that, people were excited for it. Yeah. Yeah, granted, not like, you know, fucking Elder Scrolls 6 or Fallout 5. Not that mm. same level. And I agree, Or right? Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, and looking at Cyberpunk, right? Like, for huge that being the next huge, like, milestone RPG open world yeah. experience from, you know, CD Projekt Red after The Witcher 3. Like, there was a lot riding on it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so uh, there, there are these, like, benchmark titles that are coming out that, like... Bethesda's first new IP in 25 years. Yeah, it's... It's, it's a big deal. There's a, there's a lot riding on yeah. it, right? I think it's really smart that they are delaying it. I think, um, it like, you know, the developers had said, it puts a lot of relief on them, gives them more time to even out the, the ugly bumps and, and put out a quality product that they're not going to get fucking flamed for if it's bad, you know? Because people are going to flame them even harder for this one. That's the thing. I think yeah. that's, that's what's going to happen. Even more so than the 76 situation, if they came out in November was shit and also having people's minds of like you you didn't pay attention to the cyberpunk lesson mm-hmm. to have these developers say that behind the scenes yeah people are noticing i think it's interesting now interesting now, pockets starfield felt kind of inevitable like you know yeah. november 11th like 11 11 that's oh what a wish right what a great like mm. kind of uh pie in the sky amazing release window for them but redfall seems a little bit more surprising 
Oh yeah, nobody seems to really be talking about Redfall in this situation. Yeah, the the anticipation is just. I won't say that there isn't excitement for that game. I'm excited for that game. Mm-hmm. I think the concept sounds good, but we yeah. haven't we haven't seen um, anything about it. It's a very kind of untested water for the mm-hmm. studio that is known for. Well, I, I should say Arcane in general because they have many different studios. Yeah. Right? But Arcane in general is known for their immersive sims, basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, come to think, you know, Prey and and uh, Dishonored, things like that. So. I think it's totally okay for them to be like, hey, 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 this is new for us. We're gonna delay this. I don't, I don't think it's a level of like Starfield disappointment of like, what the fuck? This isn't coming out at this time. No, no, mm-hmm. no. It's like you didn't even show us like gameplay. Take yeah. the time. I don't even think I really believe that it would be 2022. Didn't they just like slap that on the trailer a year ago? And they're like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. What? What was it? E3 2021. Uh, you or remember? It... You remember what E3s? <laughs> yeah. Oh, back in the E3 days. What a. What a lost era yeah uh yeah it's it's a different project different beast for them all together being like a co-op open world multiplayer game oh. which is really interesting um there's a lot of potential there uh depending on how they scale it or it could be a really bare bones experience uh mm. but I, same thing though right obviously like new ip they want it to take off they want it to be a thing especially with multiplayer games i feel like there's a lot of potential for that to take off in like the content creator and streamer streaming space i don't know that necessarily like studios like maybe market or pivot around that idea but like if it is good it will definitely take off in that way mm-hmm. um but yeah similarly mm-hmm. to starfield you know new ip arcane wants to hit and i'm sure you know bethesda and microsoft do as well because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of investment and money and time that goes into investing in these projects and i I, I think they give Arcane a lot of leeway to just do what they do because they see interesting returns on it, right? Like, their profile is really unique. Um, and I think, granted, like, some of their games are pretty niche, right? Mm. Like, not everybody clung to Dishonored, Prey, you know, same. I feel like Deathloop was obviously, like, their greatest hits, like, pop album that really hit with yeah, people. Yeah, that, that feel like more of a mainstream hit where, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's a particular taste for those other games. Yeah. <clears throat> but this has potential to hit critical mass if it has a cool concept plays well if your characters that you can play as have like unique you build, uh, ability sets and things like that yeah so. yeah i think that there, there's a lot to tweak there and there's a lot to get right i think especially with multiplayer games it's almost like there's this expectation mm-hmm. that it's going to be rough at launch and i think people are very that. tired of that expectation yeah, we've gotten a lot of that yeah we've gotten too much of it where to even allow it anymore right like <clears throat> people would prefer that like there's less like let's say you release and there's less to do than it being shitty to do the things in it right <laughs> you know it's like yeah. it, like it's better to have the promise of like oh there's more content coming down the way than you're going to have to suffer through a shitty game mm-hmm. for a couple of months at launch like that's not acceptable anymore yeah, and especially with games like Avengers, like I think we got really burned by that that model approach. Another pariah yeah. of the industry. Now, I want <clears> to <throat> ask you and kind of like I guess lean into like a greater conversation here, right? Like this we had a lesser conversation before. <laughs> <laughs> no, well they're they're amping up. That that was medium. Yeah, this yeah. is greater. Look at Roller Coaster Tycoon over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he understands the peak of the roller coaster. <laughs> here we go. Oh, we're going for a heavy drop off. All right, here. mouth coaster me, man. So Microsoft, right? Uh, Xbox Series X Heard came him. out in NS, right? Uh, yeah, came yeah, out yeah. in what, uh, November 2020, right? Yeah. We're going into almost a year and a half, two years of like the console cycle. Okay. Haven't really gotten a lot of like first party exclusives or things like that, right? We got Halo Infinite, which mm-hmm. 
I, that's been a conversation and kind of a point of contention for fans who have been definitely, disappointed. Definitely a big turning point, like an initial happiness swell that uh, that that first blush went away for a lot of folks. Yeah, very quickly. And then we have like the Forza series. Uh, was there a Gears game that came out as well? No, a while back, Gears Five came out before uh, before Series, series X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> there haven't really been a lot of like you know beat the drum first party titles, especially from like the the, the bigger studios. Like, might beat the drums. Where are they? Got it right. Um, obviously, Xbox had kind of bought up a lot of studios before Next Gen, right? Initiative, uh, Obsidian, Bethesda, right? So there's a lot of stuff kind of down the line and in the works. But, you know, with these games getting kind of put out, I'm, I'm curious if, if you feel like they have a good leg to stand on right now as like a competitor, as like an interesting space for first party games um mm. and do you think they can survive uh, alone on right now of like the continual swell of what is game pass yeah i i think that's an interesting thing i think game pass has been kind of a revolution for them as a business and the business model that they're pushing there mm-hmm. um i think where they're struggling is actually having genuine output mm-hmm. from all of these big acquisitions that they keep on announcing and going yeah. look, look we got activision blizzard look, look at that we got this studio and so now we're left kind of wondering as fans, like, cool, cool, cool. You, you showed me like a year or two ago, like the promise of things like Hellblade 2, uh, a new fable, what what could be down the line with things like, uh, was it Everwild? Yeah, uh, Everwild. What Obsidian's got going yeah. on. Here perfect Dark, you know. Yeah, Perfect Dark. But the other side of it is like, oh, there's no like result. And realistically, these things are probably further out than maybe even they're comfortable announcing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure they're looking at their suite of games and going like, ah, shit. (laughs) They're like, oh, we got to... When's the next Forza? <laughs> you know, and so that's that's a little rough position to be in because I think, as we all know, even even with Game Pass being the best deal in gaming, uh, people are still have an appetite for these big old first slash third party exclusives. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Sony's ecosystem. That's that's their whole fucking thing, right? And then they do worse on everything else, but they survive that way because people like that new new like mm-hmm. i said before they do yeah and there's a i think a consistency at least with their like major first party stuff um yeah. you know when a game comes out from them that it is going to be like a very uh like standard experience it's going to be like high quality mm-hmm. it, i think the only variation or kind of letdown is like oh did you like this ip more than the other right like horizon forbidden west for all intents and purposes like is a quality game like from start to finish on a technical level performance level all that and like it's got some great stuff going for it but it just comes down to the player of like do you prefer this over the first do you prefer this game over like something like ghost of shushima right, right? right it's right, all right. player preference at that point yeah yeah but even then it's like i still like i have an embarrassment of riches over there where it's like oh okay yeah. now i can get the juggle like god of war and mm-hmm. ghost of shishima and spider-man i'm having all the fun with these really cool and engrossing uh first party experiences where that output doesn't seem to be the same over on the xbox side but mm-hmm. again like they're doing different things right uh, I think it's amazing that they have like a groundswell of like indie games and things that otherwise wouldn't have gotten a spotlight, or maybe not wouldn't have gotten a spotlight, but would have had a harder time being found if not for the fact that I can look at a game like um, what just came out, uh, Loot River, and mm-hmm. be like, that looks fucking cool. Oh, let me just download it real quick. It's on Game Pass. Yeah. So there's things like that that I think are really cool. But again, like I said, there is still that that appetite for 
the big ones, the big whales. Yeah, I am struggling to output those. I was looking forward to getting an Xbox Series S this year. Like, my Hmm. thing was like, oh, I want to play Starfield, so I'll get the console for that. And now with it being pushed out into next year, I'm like, well, I guess I can hold off on getting an Xbox. Because it's like, sure, the idea of, like, getting it and then having this back catalog of games um, from Microsoft's history and new stuff through Games Pass... It is, like, very alluring, but I don't think it's enough to, like, pull me into the ecosystem. Right. It's more of, like, a supplemental boon to be there, right? I go to, right. I go to like, my Nintendo and, you know, Sony um, games because they're great first-party experiences, right? And, like, mm-hmm. I want something similar from Microsoft. And granted, we're not quite there yet because they're, they're kind of in this... Um, like ramp up period right to kind of hit their next stride and be kind of in like this renaissance era for you know their first party suite but like right now i don't feel very inclined to get a 300 dollar console to play like third party stuff right like that's just me i don't know yeah no i get it but i think um there's also the reality of like production problems that are occurring sure. across yeah. the industry you know like people are probably wondering right now why do they put a date on starfield if it was just going to get delayed and I yeah. think it's because uh, the industry in some ways is just thinking the same way as it always thought, which is like, yeah, man, we got to live quarter to quarter. We got to live fiscal year to fiscal year. And this so we, is how we drum up hype, how exactly. we drum up like investment and stuff like that. Yeah, we're going to operate the same. But then the reality is, oh, is it going to get out on time? And the answer is going to be more often no, mm-hmm. very often. I, I think we are going to see this shift and it's going to happen whether you gamers like it or not, whether you get upset that things come out in November or not. But there's going to be release windows versus release dates are going to be more common. Nintendo already does it. Oh, yeah. Like we were talking earlier. Like Nintendo already does the whole, like, this is coming out in spring. Mm-hmm. When in spring? Spring. Yeah. We're seeing it with, like, <laughs> two of their next, like, most anticipated franchises. Like, you know, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, fall 2022. Yeah. Sequel to Breath of the Wild, spring 2023. Like, and I think it's probably easier to play with that, like, here's a three-month window versus right. giving a hardline date. But even with those windows... It's still subject to change, right? Like, there's so much going on, like you said, behind the scenes that could impact software production and output. I don't know. Yeah, there's a labor shortage happening in the tech space right now for a lot of different reasons. People don't want to fucking uh, burn away their lives having lived through and still living through a pandemic. Uh, Doing QA for these fucking games or, or, you know, getting a small developer credit for five years of torture and missing out on being with your family. The, there's a there's an upheaval upheaval that's occurring behind the scenes that probably isn't being talked about as loudly as it needs to be, but it's happening. Mm-hmm. People are looking for more comfortable jobs that pay well, and unfortunately, the gaming industry doesn't seem to have those benefits across the board. Mm-hmm. So your games are going to get delayed as talent continues to leak out of these studios, regardless of not of how exciting this IP is mm-hmm. to the fans. That's just the truth of it, right? Again, we're going to get to the release window uh, being a more honest like uh target than having an arbitrary date because 1111 sounds nice on a poster <laughs> that's that's just gonna happen right yeah. and so like there's gonna be it's not just the fans having to adjust their expectations i think it's a communication from the publishers as well to say yeah dog <laughs> it's gonna take us what used to be five years uh pre-pandemic is six years mm-hmm we're going to have to pad it out that way because there's so much going on now. People are either work from home or in office or people are leaving left and right. There's a lot of transfers happening here. Mm-hmm. It's just real, man. Some of it, I guess, also comes down to like scaling too, right? Mm-hmm. Like the bigger, more ambitious of a game you have, the longer it's going to take, the more expensive it's going to be, the more ass- uh, yeah. assets, resources, and people you need on it, right? Um, I look at a studio 
like Insomniac, right, with Sony, and they've had an incredible output over the fa- past few years, yeah. right? But like I, you know, games like Spider Man, Spider Man Miles Morales, and, and um, Ratchet and Clank or Rift Apart, those games like they're kind of like leaner experiences. They're reined right? in. They're pretty reined in. They're not these like eighty world opuses, right? Like you know, Horizon was or what Starfield is probably like trying to aim to be um and i think with that like you get shorter production cycles there's you know a bit more possibility of of having things be sharper on a technical level you know just things kind of being better out the gate and i think it makes for just a cleaner product i i'm of the mind where i don't think every new game needs to like hit the benchmark of okay it needs to be 10 hours longer than our last one, right? It mm. needs to be a 100-hour experience. We need to feed these gamers forever, right? right. Shorter games are good. Uh, and I think the we get to the buckling point. We talked about this like quite a number of years ago with like AAA games and, and sustainability, right? The more you put the pressure on these studios to make these huge experiences, the less sustainable it's going to be and the less quality we're going to get like on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. Or at least like the less smooth of a launch window it's going to be. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's just the reality of it, right? Uh, game development hasn't gotten easier. No. That's the funniest thing about it. It has not gotten easier over the years, especially getting in the next gen, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to hurt velocity mm-hmm. for these teams. That's something we talk about at work a lot, the velocity of it, right? The more that you struggle with the tools that you have to carve out your art, mm-hmm. the longer you're going to spend doing that piece instead of having output. And I think um, as we try to launch SKUs across, especially now, uh, between last gen and this gen, in order to get those sales numbers that mm-hmm. the business teams want so badly, it's going to be harder to get these games out. So that, that's why you're seeing things like uh, Gotham Knights, for mm-hmm. instance, going like, yeah, we're skipping out on last gen, dog, because it just makes sense for their development pipeline. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. were upset about that, too, but like, it just makes sense. It just makes sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, uh, I think uh, that that's future-proofing your business a bit Mm -hmm. right you're not wasting your time figuring out how to make this cool robust experience that runs well on ps5 that struggles on ps4 you know Mm -hmm. so yeah you're gonna see these concessions made left and right and it's and fans are gonna wonder like why not just throw more money at it and it's like sometimes don't work that way i think it 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 hurts some fans right now because thinking of like you know god like the production shortage right because of like lack of semiconductors and like lack of ability to manufacture these consoles and a lot of people not having ps5 that's right that's a good point like you know series x and s's they're like well be mad right now like i'm still on my ps4 i'm still on my xbox Mm -hmm. uh one and like it it sucks this hurts the consumer it hurts the fan that we can't have this game and i think for a lot of a lot of publishers and developers at this point they're just kind of like well we want you to play our games on our current gen hardware right we don't want to worry about backwards supporting Mm -hmm. it but there is kind of a negative effect, right, if, if your consumers and player base can't get those consoles. It's a very precarious thing, and yeah. it makes me wonder, and I... The pandemic fucked up a lot. Sure. Fucked up oh, a yeah. lot. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it but, fucked up everybody's, like, years and, and goals. And we didn't know anything about it at the beginning of it. Like, we didn't have, like, the notions that, like, oh, this is gonna... <laughs> this is gonna hurt us down the line, especially when it comes to production, semiconductors. But I wonder, did we move on the next gen too early? Oh, that's a good point. I don't know. I mean, I feel like we obviously could have gotten quite a bit more out of like the PlayStation 4, especially like seeing games come out like kind of cross-gen for it where it's like, oh, I guess Horizon Forbidden West runs on the PS4 or, you know, Spider-Man Miles Morales. And it's like, you could have probably milked it for a little bit longer, but I think there's just this eagerness from these manufacturers to put out a console every X amount of years. Yeah. 
But now that we've hit that, I think we're going to see a longer console, console generation because we're going to be stuck in this shortage era. Like, mm. I, I don't think it's going to be crazy to maybe think that, like, the PS5 and Xbox Series X and S could be, like, a 10-year console span. Like, just because of the way things are going right now. Right. Yeah, I think my answer is one that's unfortunate for these studios mm-hmm. and publishers and manufacturers, which is uh, a 2020 without the pandemic, yes. It was the right time to move on to the next gen. Mm-hmm. A 2020 with the pandemic, no. And they wouldn't have known that. Yeah. They wouldn't have known that until they experienced it and we're experiencing it right now. I, so. I mean, so many companies across so many different industries didn't yeah. know the impact of it, right? It's no. A lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, March 2020. Yeah, we'll be home for a few weeks and yeah, then we'll go back in it. office and it'll be fine. And then we saw fucking shortages. Uh, yeah, we saw fucking lemonade shortages at your local Starbucks. We saw fucking like healthcare shortages, you know, from these major distributors. And now we're seeing like shortages for things that make your consoles work, that make your consoles are what they are. Um, and, and yeah, there wasn't any anticipation around that. And now it's just, it's something we have to live with and adjust around. Yep. Um, we'll, we'll see how a lot of these studios come out of the other end of it. Uh, but I think it just probably means longer development cycles and, you know, it's going to take longer for these games to come out. I don't know. People are burnt out too, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, the lesson is don't trust a date until it's right around the corner because mm-hmm. it probably means nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That goes for, uh, major game releases and Tinder dates, you know? Mm. I don't know. I don't think this means, like, the downfall of uh, Microsoft and Xbox. Oh, who said that? I, I mean, Sony ponies would, would kind of be like, oh, yes, this is Xbox. Like, not they're not going to be able to come back from this. I wonder how the dissolution of Microsoft helps Sony ponies. Right. What does that do for I them? Do, I don't know. It's just a fucking pissing contest. Okay. But you I, know you I, can sanitize your own piss and drink it? Yeah. I recommend that yeah. for anybody that's a console warrior. <laughs> Like I, I, so I don't think this means like you know the, uh, like a bleak era for Microsoft, but it it does make the the rest of the year for them look a little less interesting, mm-hmm. and I think they're gonna have a lot of ground to make up in twenty twenty three at least out for making their console space seem interesting and exciting and new. Yeah, yeah, it's a little it's a little rough there, a little rough there, and I have to wonder about um, when it comes to their planning, like their full year planning, mm-hmm. like. Are they going to be more reticent to like trust, especially their the games that are going to take longer development, like mm-hmm. right off the gate, things that are AAA, and start looking at things like ah, how do we like announce a slate of games for a full year mm-hmm. if any one of these can slip like as much as six months, like in this instance, yeah. you know? So it'd be interesting to see how they like reconfigure how they think about what needs to come out because honestly, they bought a bunch of studios that are not known for their output. No, I mean, they're known for, like, really great, iconic, historical titles. Yeah, but the volume of output is not there for things like Blizzard or Bethesda. No, but I look at studios under those umbrellas. I look at, you know, I look at Activision, right, who was putting out Call of Duties every year. I look at fucking, uh, what is it, Machine Games, right? They put out, like, a pretty consecutive, like, kind of round of, like, Wolfenstein games. I look at id, right, like, you know, the doom games like between major releases and dlc like they've been pretty steady there we shall see I we'll guess. see oh shit yeah another another we'll see definitely he i did think, it <laughs> i think when we get the uh xbox microsoft when we get the xbox microsoft bethesda whole join conference thing we'll see more of what they have you know in store for us i hope it's not a lot more just empty shallow release promises of like here's a new ip coming soon no i think they need to start like putting some muscle and marketing force behind those games that were promised last year. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Potentially. We'll see. Potentially. We'll see. Got a number two on here. Only number two. Wow. Yeah, I know. We're, what, an hour in? It's My okay. God. This one's for the uh, Sony ponies out there. Uh, Jim Ryan thinks his employees should respect differences of opinion regarding abortion rights. There you go. Okay. Let's, let's, let's lead into this precarious situation here. Now, I want to start with Jason Schreier's reporting over at Bloomberg because his opening paragraph needs to be heard in full to be believed. Okay, here we go. Quote. Some staff at Sony Group Core, because Bloomberg has to say it like the NASDAQ versions of their names for some reason. Sure. Some staff at Sony Group Core are seething following an email Thursday from the head of PlayStation that urged employees to, quote, respect differences of opinion, end quote, on abortion rights before entering into five detailed paragraphs about his two cats' first birthday. That, that's the opening. That's the opening to that article. Yep. By the way. Last week, we spoke about the leaked draft opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, a reductive decision that will undo protections for reproductive rights. While most video game companies remain silent, some studios, like Bungie, declared their opposition to the draft opinion, gaining the ire of gamers that, quote, suck shit, end quote. That's a quote from Kevin, actually. (laughs) Uh, In Jim Cowardly Lion Ryan's email, he did not take a stance on abortion rights, but wrote, quote, we owe it to each other and to PlayStation's millions of users to respect differences of opinion among everyone in our internal and external communities. Respect does not equal agreement, but it is fundamental to who we are as a company and as a valued global brand. End quote. Jim, however, did offer to <laughs> help ease the stress of uncertain world events by describing his cat's birthday cakes for a couple of paragraphs and expressed his desire to own a dog. Bizarrely, his attempts at lightheartedness in the face of reproductive rights being revoked did not land. Oh, Jimothy. Jimothy Ryan. Give me the strength, Jimothy Ryan. I gotta tell you, I I, I tweeted something out. I said, here's the thing why people are mad about this statement. It's because uh, being okay with reproductive rights, abortion rights being revoked is not a respectable opinion. And I got myself some replies from, oh, so does this mean uh, all of Sony needs to be pro-choice? And I think the answer is no. But when it comes to respecting differences of opinion, I think you need to understand what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. A difference in opinion of whether or not you want, like, let's say, for instance, uh, you think a hot dog is a sandwich or not. Is it's fine to have or a difference of cereal opinion soup, there. right? Is cereal soup? The, the, these are dumb things, but when it comes to uh, impacting human lives to a point where you're endangering them, mm-hmm. people will lose their lives over these decisions. It mm-hmm. will be harder for them to get the medical treatment that they need if their state completely outlaws abortion, or in some instances, we're already seeing uh, some states saying that they want to completely do away with contraceptives. Mm-hmm. This is not something where it's like, oh, you know, I respect your point of view on it. No, I, I don't. I personally do not. And I think it's uh, it's pretty shitty for Jim Ryan to come out there and be like, oh, we need to respect the fact that uh, there's people, consumers and employees that want to take away the rights of 50% of the world's population. And that's okay. I mean, in the U.S. at least. Uh, but th- that's what it equates to, right? Yeah, we're totally okay that women can't choose for themselves. That's fine. Or anyone with a uterus can't mm-hmm. choose for themselves. That's okay. It's, it's part of our fundamental ideas that we need to respect the fact that. And it's weird. It's like, okay, I don't want to do the whataboutism here, but uh, people seem to think it's so fun to do. But what if we were talking about how we view race, for instance? Mm-hmm. You got to respect people's differences of opinion uh, because they don't want to be served by a minority. 
Like, if we're saying things like that, doesn't it get a little fucking caustic? And it's like, well, no, 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 this is different. We're protecting lives. No, you're endangering lives. You're endangering lives is what you're doing by saying that we need to do away with this. It just, of course people are upset, Mm -hmm. right? I just find it so, I don't know, it's despicable and laughable and like a mixed ball of how people are reacting. And I think um, you had mentioned something where it's like, this is like a big PR flub for him. And I... The cynic in me says that it isn't because so many people are in support mm-hmm. of that, and they're all and they're they're trying to remove like the context of it and just being like, oh, what's wrong with somebody saying respect differences of opinion? That's good actually. And I'm like, yeah, but what are we talking about, <laughs> right? What are we talking about? Again, we're not talking about something trivial here. We're talking about something that's going to endanger people. So just fucking annoying, fucking annoying. And so it's interesting. People are also pointing out like, well, Bungie said what they said. But their parent company, their new parent company, I don't think the deal went through, by the way, as we Not talked yet. about. No. Uh, it wants to do the the, the middle ground mm-hmm. on it. Is that going to change in the future or what have you? Well, I don't think so because Sony just said they need to respect differences of opinion. <laughs> do you think this like internal email was like a counter response to like what Bungie had said? Maybe like they felt it was a little polarizing and from a CEO, public-facing, investor-facing, you know, global-facing stance there, like, maybe we need to take a more neutral, uh, you know, Switzerland response on this. Right. Um, I can't say anything better than you already said. I think you you nailed all the kind of main points on on why it's kind of a dangerous stance to take, a dangerous public stance to take, right? Because, like... This isn't just a differences difference of opinions. This is like people's lives. It is a dangerous time right now for a lot of people to be living in America with something like this being threatened. Um, and there's a lot of things, that, fundamental rights and, and things that are just going to be stripped from humans that could put them in danger. But it, it does come from a place where, one, Jim Ryan seems very out of touch. Uh, doesn't seem like... <laughs> you mean the five paragraphs about his animals? What the fuck, dude? Did it make him seem uh, in touch? But Sony <laughs> being a global company that has money and investments in a lot of places, I wouldn't be surprised if they've put money towards lobbyist groups or government parties that support Roe v. Wade, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it feels like a very like, all right, we're going to toe the line neutral response because they don't want to make waves where maybe some of their money is invested. Oh, yeah, they definitely don't want to make waves. Where some of their partnerships are. Yeah, we, we've seen similar things with Activision Blizzard, for instance. Yeah. You remember with the Hong Kong mm-hmm. uh, situation, they're just like, oh, fuck, there's a lot of money tied up over there. Uh, we can't we can't be making waves, right? Yeah. And that's they're going to go for the decision that's money and then act like it's like, oh, well, this is our tenants to always be, uh, you know, kind of in the middle and make sure we're respectful. And it's like, I think it's disrespectful to to support that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I think to cap it off with, oh, well, you know what? To introduce some lightheartedness into these very dire, bleak times, let me talk about my cat's birthdays and the fact that one day I'd like to own a dog. Isn't that great? No, it's fucking dumb, Jim. It comes from a weird place of privilege and this is clearly something that you are not affected by if you feel the the need to put something out that is just so dumb yeah so fucking stupid it's like telegraphing this doesn't affect me so i can i can have fun and talk about animals and stuff because i don't care i'm not worried about my abortion rights being taken away Mm -hmm. it's despicable and i think um i don't think it's like the most deplorable thing a ceo has ever said or done but you know it's it's pretty bad 
Yeah. No, 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 it's definitely not. But, but, yeah. but I do think, like you were saying, it's kind of a response to, yeah, the, the Bungie news. And also, uh, there's been companies in tech, like we talked about last week, um, like how Amazon is paying uh, travel expenses if you can't safely get an abortion in your state. They're actually adding that to the health care coverage. And Microsoft responded in kind, saying that they're going to do the same, even mm-hmm. though they drag their feet. They were probably like, fuck, Amazon did what? <laughs> yeah, we got to do this too to match them. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that people maybe were wondering if Sony had some some uh, notions on that, especially, I don't know, people with a uterus that work at their company were like, hey. Of which there are many. Uh, which are there are many. And then they have a response going like, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's just try to be respectful here and not really talk about cats. What? <laughs> What, dude? Yeah, so it, it's just a big flub, big mm-hmm. fucking flub. And unfortunately, you know, any anything that's a discourse is going to be like you're going to have this huge opposition of like the these binaries in their head. They think that our perspective is a complete binary. And I, I think, yeah, but that goes down to the notion of intolerant tolerance. Yeah. You have to have that in order to maintain tolerance. Mm-hmm. And people don't like that paradox. No, and I, I think we've seen through like the last uh, – almost 50 years right since roe v wade was first instated that there are people that are staunchly against it people don't care religious people people who are pro-life they would rather you suffer the consequences of of rape and unwanted pregnancy and childbirth you know complications potentially uh than killing an unborn child killing something that you know can can feel in in the womb they'd rather protect the rights of something unborn than protect the rights of the living and i think that's because they're protecting an ideology they don't yeah. they don't care about yeah <laughs> life itself no, they, they don't, don't care about that point they, they don't they care about their ideology is protected and their their thought process and their their uh how do you say dominance yeah of other people's autonomy and in our, choice in our political spheres and in yeah. our go- governance are protected that's what yeah. they care about I'll, I'll double down what i said uh last week and i'll continue to say it like this is not a political thing this is a human rights issue and there shouldn't be any binary about it yeah Uh, but there's going to be and we're going to see a lot of the vocal majority in in uh, favor of this or people saying oh shut up just go back to putting out games like why is this even a conversation why are people covering this pretty so people make games yeah exactly people make games did you know that i do know that i do know that company doesn't make a game company has a name no, nobody it, pays uh, for a game. A lot of laws and, and situations and things affect the people that make these games that we love, and I think um, we should be listening to them more in these times than fucking white bread milk toast CEOs. I don't know, Jimothy, Jimothy, Jimothy. I think there's a reason why they don't let him talk as much as uh, Herman Holst. This is the only situation that I agree. Jim, why don't you shut up and go back to making games? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your cat. Another day, yeah. you know. Tell me, you know what would have been good marketing? Tell me about your cat in anticipation for the new uh, first party title, Stray, you know? Oh. <laughs> Don't tell me about it in the same breath of, uh, you know, both sidesism about abortion. It, I don't know. What kind of cake do you get a cat? I don't know. I've never a gotten Clementine cake? a cake, but I've gotten <gasps> her treats. You've, oh, well, and, she gets her little soft catnip. treats. She yeah. goes crazy for the soft she treats. She loves those. Yeah. Well, let's make it a little lighthearted. Let's start talking about uh, Clementine the cat right now. <laughs> she's underneath the table. Yeah. She's playing with a rubber band. Mm-hmm. She woke up from her sun nap and she doesn't quite know what to do. Yeah, she knows that we're, like, we're talking and not paying attention to her and that's when she gets a little, little jilted, a little upset. Come here. Yeah, come on. She's crying now. 
Or, or a little wine thing. I don't know what it is. Oh, she, she ran away. She, she um, as we've mentioned many times uh, across this, this podcast, Clementine likes to bite cords. And last night she bit my lamp cord so hard that it went off. And I had to wonder if she didn't get a little zap herself. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe, maybe that's what keeps her spry. It's the electricity in her body. This cat is one day going to start an electrical fire that is going to burn this place down. <laughs> it's true. I got a number three on here if you wanted to dive into it. Give it to me. All right. Number three. EA has some big plans for 2023, but it makes me wonder about our lunch plans. Man, I want like a sandwich or something. Oh, yeah. It's like three o'clock on the three dot. Three o'clock on the yeah. dot. What kind of a sandwich would I get? Like a kind of like a gargantuan sandwich, you think? No. Oh, we did sandwiches yesterday, right? You I did a sandwich I yesterday. Did. I had a chicken quesadilla. Oh, my God. With avocado. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. More on that later. Uh, so EA has some big plans for 2023. During their most recent earnings call, Electronic Arts. Did you fucking know that's what it stood for? Yeah. Electronic Arts? Yeah, I did. What? Yeah. Wow. I was saying it Ia. thought it was a word. No, Ia. you weren't. Like CO. <laughs> Horizon, you cursed us. Anyway, EA revealed that its plan it plans to have five games out by March 31st. While they only named one, Jeff Grub Snacks Grub from GamesBeat or VentureBeat has a pretty good idea what they are. The first is PGA Tour. Dads, be excited. The second is a major IP, which Grub says is Star Wars Jedi Survivor, the sequel to 2019's Fallen Order. How did he get a hold of that name, by the way? I don't, I don't know. Mentioned. Yeah, it's kind of a cool name. I think he probably like used the force to like kind of get that out of somebody. Like he fucking right. force choke somebody over at oh fucking my God. respawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was, I was here to talk about Apex. <laughs> I mean, that is a cool name cool. coming off of like the setup of what Fallen Order was and the idea of like what Order Fifty Two. Yeah. Uh, sure. What's, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Sixty three. Rule 34. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's order something where all the... Where 66, it, I think? I think it's 66. <laughs> the order that Darth Vader put out to basically kill all the Jedis. No, it was Palpatine. Darth Vader was but a boy murdering children at that point. Oh, no, you're right. Remember, it was in Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Well, yes, that order. The order that said, kill all Jedi boys. You are my brother! Can... <laughs> Anywho, yep. what? New uh, Obi-Wan trailer. I saw yeah. it. I saw it. Why did we cast uh, Hayden, what's-his-face, as Darth Vader? Uh, James Earl Jones has always done the voice. So, like, what is he doing in the show? I don't know. People are excited for it, nonetheless. He's excited to be back. When they were doing, like, the press tour stuff for it, he had actually defended uh, Revenge of the Sith. Did he? Yeah. What a bold time we live in. (laughs) Anyway, now the third game is a remake, which we definitely know to be Dead Space. The Survival Space Horror remake also has an official date, January 27th, okay? The scariest month of the year. This excites me because the last two Dead Space games that came out, the major ones at least, like two and three, came out in January and around my birthday. So it gives me birthday excitement. Your birthday's in January? Yeah. It's the 28th. Oh! So this game's coming out right before that. Gotcha. So I'm taking a long weekend. Taking a long weekend. I'll play some Dead Space Remake. I'll I'll play it in fucking one sitting. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm I'm excited for this. Now, I got another one for you. There's another sports title, by the way. And if there is a god, it'll be a new NBA street. But, as we all know, both god and the arcade sports genre are dead. Moving on. (laughs) 
<laughs> the last is a partner title, which Grubby says will be something along the lines of It Takes Two or Unraveled, okay. uh, where a smaller studio gets EA's big marketing bucks to trick you into thinking corporations are capable of creativity. Hmm. So there you go. We'll, okay. get, we'll get something kitschy. Yeah, there's three out of five things here that I'm excited for. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Star Wars, Survivor, whatever. GA Tour. Yeah. I mean, coming off of like the the hotness that was uh, what the golf. I mean, you know, or golf? or the newest uh, Mario Golf game. What was right. it, Mario Golf Rush? Sure, uh, I think. I don't know. PGA Tour just seems lackluster. Really? Yeah. No. Well, no Waluigi. Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of what it makes. Yeah, it. so I'm yeah, excited yeah. for the new uh, Star Wars Jedi game, obviously Dead Space remake, and partner titles are interesting because I think when uh, these smaller studios get the kind of budget to live out their vision, vision, it's pretty neat. Um, I'm almost hopeful that maybe it's just Joseph Ferris in studio getting another take at a, another cool game. I hope it's like kind of a like an inner space situation where you're like you're in a human body, like a co-op game in a human body. Okay. And you gotta like I don't know. So, like, I'm controlling, like, the left brain of a human and maybe, like, the left side of the body, and you're controlling the right? Mm, you've revealed to me that you've never seen inner space. <laughs> no, you're a little man. You're David, or sorry, you're Dennis Quaid inside of Martin Short's body. Oh, And you got a little vessel, and you're, like, going through his blood and shit, and, and his shit. <laughs> Wait, so, like, a vessel, like a little, like a, like like a craft. space like module? A little, oh, yeah, so yeah, kind yeah. of like Magic School Bus. So like inner space, the inner part. Yeah, yeah, just like Magic School. So yeah, you're going in. You're, okay. I, I, want, I want that. I want to be inside somebody. I miss being inside people. <laughs> what excites you about this EA breakdown here? Um, nothing. Okay. I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna play Star Wars. Like yep. I recently spooled up the PS5 version of Fallen Order. A uh, little, little jankier than I remember. A little jankier. Yeah, Went into a lot of bugs that. and bullshit. Yeah, some floaty stuff, some weird stuff. Uh, the cutscene audio falls out of sync with the visuals, and that's fucking confusing. And I have to wonder, was it was the PS4 version this bad, or is it just a PS5 edition? But then I also remembered like the combat not being as tight as I wanted it to be mm-hmm. in the original game. But I, I think, and I looked online too, and like I remember, like, yeah, wasn't this like a really beloved game? And it's like scoring in the high 70s. And I was like, oh, people had problems. Hmm. <laughs> people had some problems with this. Like it's got like a seven, uh, 7.5 user score in Metacritic, something like that. And I was hmm. like, oh, shit. Yeah, people didn't love this as much as I thought they did. I mean, I think when it first came out, people were excited about, one, a new single-player Star Wars game. Because we came off yeah. of like a, a long line of like kind of tumultuous multiplayer ones, like yeah. the Battlefront games. And um respawn being kind of like hot off the success of apex right yeah to give them the keys to like a new star wars game that was actually pretty cool people were really hot on it but i think over time yeah there might have been diminishing return uh, my biggest gripes with it were yeah there was some weird collision and i fell through the level once or twice and uh level I, design yeah terrible in coming off of sekiro that same year uh later in 2019 sekiro came out in uh april and this game came out in november i believe yeah uh yeah to have that comparison of like oh the parry windows and counters and stuff aren't as tight yeah it it felt like a lesser kind of like souls like experience but i still had fun with it Uh, i think my biggest gripe was that the level design was garbage garbage and like it made backtracking so painful i got the platinum in that game and it hurt me Mm -hmm. to do sounds like a very painful experience i don't want to engage with yeah but uh yeah there you go I think uh, Dead Space Remake is the the golden goose of this for me, and we'll see if it slides out of that January window. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, because we haven't seen much from it yet. 
we've seen some kind of like concept art and like comparisons of like this is what a a ripper saw blade looked like in fucking 2008 here's what it looks like now yeah, I'll, you know? I'll, I'll say this if if the release date isn't announced within three months of said date yeah. i don't believe it simple as that until it goes gold i am very right reluctant now i got a number four for you here about some things that definitely want gold and you know stole some sales uh number four elden ring you know it we love it it's probably going to be our game of the year since nothing else is coming out this year. Uh, it outsell, outsold Call of Duty in the last 12 months. Motherfuckers. Which, which is huge because Call of Duty typically dominates like the NPD and like top selling charts. Sure does. So this is according to Matt Piscatella of NPD. Uh, Elden Ring is What the, does NPD stand for? Oh my god. The National Purchase Diary. I've I've always wondered. I've always wondered. Yeah. Right? And I looked it up. Like, I was searching around. I couldn't find it on their fucking website. They just keep on saying, we're MPD group. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, they're responsible for, like, all these, like, financial reports and, like, kind of, like, month-to-month sales. They do the breakdowns yeah. of, like, what are the best-selling games in UK month-to-month, yeah. the US, elsewhere. Um, and Matt Piscatella is, like, one of the big analysts over there. But according to him, Elden Ring is the United States' best-selling game in the past 12 months. The game, which only came out on February 25th, 2022, is currently beating out Call of Duty Vanguard for the top spot. Quote, on Tuesday, Elden Ring's publisher, Bandai Namco Entertainment, told investors that the game had sold 13.4 million units worldwide, adding another 1.4 million copies to the 12 million it boasted by mid-March, end quote. Now, if you wanted kind of like a minutia breakdown of what the top 10 looks like for the last 12 months... Here it is. This is kind of up to date uh, as of April 2022. We got number one is Elden Ring. Number two, Call of Duty Vanguard. Number three, Madden NFL 2022. (laughs) Number four, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, which is interesting because like those games, I guess they treat them like, although they're separate SKUs, they treat them as kind of like a similar thing. Like a one SKU thing? Yeah, one SKU kind of thing when it comes to sales. Good for you, Nintendo. Good for you. That's how you cheat. (laughs) number five is battlefield 2042 which is surprising miraculous yeah Uh, (laughs) number six is lego star wars the skywalker saga which just came out um and it's i think it's cross-platform save for the switch um but the lego games have typically sold pretty pretty nicely uh number seven is far cry six number eight fifa 2022 number nine which you're excited about this one is resident evil village which I guess it sold 6.1 million units. Sure fucking did, buddy. <laughs> sure fucking did. Yeah. And uh, then uh, it, it did that sooner than part seven did. Oh, nice. Uh, part seven took like two years to get to mm-hmm. six. And I think part seven swimming around like the tens somewhere around there. But yeah, yeah. that's really impressive. A lot, lot of love for Village. Yeah, it, it landed in a lot of people's game of the year list. A lot of people had it as their number one or at least like in their top tens. Number it was one. it was my number. What was it for me? It was my number two last year, actually. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that game. Uh, Number 10 here is Pokemon Legends Arceus, which came out in January. So, yeah, those are some... There's an interesting variety of, like, the U.S. sales, for sure. It looks different, like, internationally and in the the U.K., but does this list surprise you here? Pokemon does. Yeah. Because... Uh, and maybe it shouldn't, because Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl are remakes of a known entity, and they're mm-hmm. the classic Pokemon as we know them. And I'm a little surprised because we hear all this fucking vitriol online about how Pokemon is stagnating, they keep on selling us the same shit, it's the same game over and over, and yet the sales tell me that the thing when they did the new <laughs> shit sold less on the than the old shit. Yeah. So maybe you either need to fucking start buying the new shit that you claim that you want, or shut the fuck up. <laughs> It's a pretty easy choice. 
Yeah. Because y'all just bought the same old shit. More. Two SKUs of the same old shit. More than Arceus. So what do you, what do you want from Nintendo? Maybe, maybe stop crying. I think that's the thing. that The known entity is always going to sell well for Nintendo, especially yeah. when there's a double SKU in play. Like, I have no doubt that when fucking Scarlet and Violet come out and fall, like, that that's going to top the charts. Yeah. It's going to be huge for them. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so Arceus, beginning of the year, and then these other two games i think undoubtedly they're gonna they're gonna top rcs as well mm-hmm. but it, i hope those games take some lessons from rcs for sure now rcs is interesting because it is kind of a new like installment in the pokemon franchise but mm-hmm. i think you know it being pokemon it's gonna sell on name alone yeah yeah definitely i just thought it would sell more i wonder what it would, yeah. was about it that people were like i don't know man it's interesting because I think of coming off of Pokemon Sword and Shield, which kind of toted the series as taking a turn into like a more open world free roam approach in this game, kind of being like the next big evolution of that, you think would have spoke to people a lot. But I think a lot of people were just kind of like, oh, it's cool, but the open world is still kind of empty. There's still not a lot to do. It's still mm. going out and catching Pokemon, which obviously you fucking idiots. Like that's what <laughs> Pokemon games are. What the fuck? What'd you expect? I don't know. I'm surprised that Battlefield 2042 ended up on the number five slot for being a miserable shit fuck Mm -hmm. of a game that was uh, broken on release, completely broken. So I don't know. Maybe you could just continue to release broken ass games as long as they have the same military shooter name. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously, Call of Duty Vanguard being a fucking disappointment uh, still is number two. Yeah, I think it it is surprising to see Elden Ring outrank uh, an annual shooter from like you know one of the most oh, um, I love it known studios. But I think it just speaks to like the fucking fervor around this game right now. Yeah. The curiosity of it, people are really into it. People love it. Some people love to hate it. Um, I'm I'm loving seeing it right. Uh, and I think previously like uh, Sekiro had done pretty well for itself. Uh, I think I don't have those numbers in front of me of like what the best like individually selling. Uh, from soft games are but i feel like that would be pretty high up there yeah um but no this is this is awesome and i think it's just going to continue to sell and what it would be two and a half three months into a 12 month cycle like to, to be pulling those numbers it's, it's impressive and i think it's going to continue to fuel excitement for the franchise and uh give from soft the want to do more with it right like they're talking about doing more and different media with it right whether it ends up being anime or comics right and Numbers like that, you know, they're probably going to tap in for DLC or a sequel at some point. Right, so right. definitely. Good, good for Absolutely. fucking FromSoft. Now, there, there's some interesting other stuff around this uh, in terms of, like, Call of Duty specifically. Now, while Call of Duty annually smashes sales, the latest entry, Vanguard, which came out in November 2021, has sold soft and failed to meet sales expectations, according to publisher Activision Blizzard. While the entry was still 2021's best-selling game, sales were down 36% from Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which came out in 2022. Should have more words in your title. Yeah, right? It's like a fucking word salad. Uh, from Activision Blizzard's recent annual investors report, quote, while Call of Duty remains one of the most successful entertainment franchises of all time, our 2021 premium release didn't meet our expectations. We believe primarily due to our own execution. The game's World War II setting didn't resonate with some of our community, and we didn't deliver as much innovation in the premium game as we would have liked, end quote. Interesting, interesting. Interesting, interesting. What what do you think is cause for the drop-off of Call of Duty Vanguard? 
I, I think there's a few knock-on effects that are happening here. One, this is the 300th Call of Duty <laughs> yeah. uh, that they release over the last 15 years or mm-hmm. so. Uh, two, with Warzone, kind of like... I think Warzone, Apex, and Fortnite have told us that the appetite for these games and expectations has changed, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even drastically, where now the expectation is if you're going to do a game like that, that you want me to engage in a multiplayer sort of way, you need to do it as like a free-to-play platform mm-hmm. kind of situation. And I think that makes it a harder sell to be like, but by the way, here's our premium $60 every November, and it's mm-hmm. like, why? I'm playing Warzone already. Why? Yeah. Why do I need this? Why? And it's a great question. Why? Why do they need that? We've always talked about how a minimal amount of people that buy these fucking games ever play the campaign. Mm -hmm. So again, what is the draw? And then to have people be like, okay, so I have this really cool future setting or whatever, like semi-future, modern warfare thing, and you want me to like use World War II guns now? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it feels like like a step backwards. It it does, yeah. So I I think the proposition, the value value play there is just like not hitting with people Mm -hmm. in a way. Uh, that's not to say the Vanguard's a bad game. I bought it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I liked the liked campaign the a lot. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I was like, oh, fuck. They're taking some lessons from some of my favorite World War II movies, including Glorious Bastards, to tell like a pretty interesting ensemble story. This was Sledgehammer, right? This one was Sledgehammer, okay. primarily. But there was some assistance, I believe, from other studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raven Software, being notably. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the problem, too, is like some of the more standalone Call of Duty franchises don't seem to do as well as, like, the the known ones, like Black Ops or Modern Warfare. I feel like those are, like, gamers are going to come when a Modern Warfare show, a forest shows up, or, like, a remake of Modern Warfare 2, right? Like, it's what they want. You, you, wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have been able to come in a Modern Warfare 2 lobby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the next one lined up is a reboot mm-hmm. of Modern Warfare 2. A sequel to the reboot of Modern Warfare 1, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe the wrong lesson here is going to be like, hey, we're going to keep on putting out Black Ops and Modern Warfare for the rest of our lives. Or I I don't know. That that sucks, though, because, like, I, you know, I follow a lot of the, the writers and narrative designers who were on uh, Vanguard, and they put a lot of heart into it. This is a single-player mm-hmm. story that they, like, were really excited to tell. Uh, what Paulina, the one of the main characters, was, like, a really interesting arc. Favorite character. Yeah. Favorite and, character uh, in that game. They were really excited about that. And I think the idea of like just sticking these studios to like, all right, well, now that a Call of Duty is going to come out maybe every other year, we're just going to do the two tentpole ones. And mm-hmm. I don't know, that gets kind of bland after a while to think that we're remaking and rebooting like <laughs> titles that came out 10 years prior because we're out of good ideas or because people don't want to buy into them as much. It kind of sucks. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think they're going to keep leaning into like that fucking um, war zone free-to-play space yeah i I think so too because that's where the money is that's where the uh the views and the recurrent whatever the fucks are Mm -hmm. and i think um they need to figure out how to leverage that but i i agree one you probably need to stagger these releases your yearly model is not going to work especially since you have a ongoing game Mm -hmm. people are going to expect you to support that meaningfully and maybe that's what you do on off cycles just go like hey we're doing a big expansion to warzone Mm -hmm. or something crazy to it so it seems fresh uh, not not that you could ever excite me to play Warzone. I don't really like Battle Royales. But I think another thing is, yeah, when it comes to your premium package, uh, even if you have like a cool story, it's always been the same. It's always been like, oh, here's a seven hour, seven to eight hour like popcorn rail shooter, mm-hmm. basically. I think you need to start thinking big and, and think to yourselves, how do we integrate like a campaign with multiplayer aspects what if you were doing things in a campaign that were like hey 
uh, me going to an online lobby is me running operations that further my story in mm-hmm. some way. But not mm-hmm. yeah, like interesting. Integrate in this way where it's like you take some lessons from Division or games as a service games. Think about things like what if there were a Call of Duty where it was one giant open world map, but like it is consisting of kind of like how Warzone is like like a miniature slice of what the online maps would have been in older games, mm-hmm. but add a consistent story to that that makes sense and give people options to do co-op and stuff like that like really rethink what your campaigns are and what you're trying to do because it seems like the old models kind of boring to people mm-hmm. so if you can inter- integrate those worlds in like a meaningful interesting way you might be able to get away with the premium package otherwise you might have to stop dog yeah <laughs> you might have to stop and just double down on your fucking ongoing online service thing so that's that's kind of my impression hmm. like i think they need more experimentation is basically yeah what i'm thinking yeah, because like doing the whole, you're going to have a campaign and then you're going to have an online suite and that's it, is probably tiresome to people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Call of Duty has come out for the last 700 years. Yeah, it's been pretty nonstop, <laughs> what, since like 2007? Yeah, 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 it has, since Call of Duty 2. Yeah. I have franchise fatigue just thinking of Call of Duty, and I'm not, like, an annual buyer of the games. I buy, like, the the bigger ones, and I still don't even play them, because they're just such massive installs that I have to juggle. And, like, now it's like, oh, you install just the part you want to play. You don't even get to install all of it at once. And I'm like, ah, this feels so weird. Yeah, you remember how in uh, Donkey Kong uh, 64 they had to sell, like, the RAM pack, or else it wouldn't work? They're going to have to sell you a fucking external hard drive with Call of Duty games now. (laughs) or else it's like i can't play this yeah. i need a terabyte <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty nuts yeah it's fucking dumb but you know numbers what do they mean what do they mean <laughs> Mason, what listen do they mean? i'm i'm not a business guy but like when you show me a fucking top 10 selling chart i'm like ooh, that looks cool Ooh, look at that like i can respond to a ranking of games over the last year <laughs> well speaking of numbers mason give me a number five Hello! Number five on here is concept art from an unannounced Silent Hill leak on the web. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah. Can you believe it? I can believe it. They're making a Silent Hill, maybe? <laughs> maybe. Have you, have you heard of such a thing? God. A beast of this nature? <sighs> sure. Give it to well, me this news. <laughs> now, this leak specifically on Elon Musk's Twitter, brought to you by Elon Musk and NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> The horror game leak man Dusk Gollum, also known as the Aesthetic Gamer, friend of the show only in name. <laughs> we have a lot of friends of the show that we reference in a one-way street that they never know of us. Yeah, like Pete Hines. Yeah. Love that man. Oh, Pete Hines. Oh, Pete Hines. Now, he's come out of leak tirement, by the way, to, to give Silent Hill fans the one thing they haven't had in eight years. Hope. <laughs> Mr. Gollum posted five concept images, at least one of which had series creature designer Masahiro Ito's name attached. Okay? The very same Ito that made and regrets having made Pyramid Head. He has mixed feelings. He didn't want him to become a fucking mascot, and he hates seeing, like, this this fucking horror thing that he made paraded as, like, the fun... Like, he's in Bomberman. Is he really? Yeah, you can play as a little miniature Pyramid Head in Is Bomberman. he in that one, like, PlayStation racing game? Yes, yes, he is. It's really fucking silly. Yeah, it, yeah, okay. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> now, that specific image we're talking about depicts a female character covered in flower blossoms, but not like in a midsummery festive way, but like in a this erupted from my pores body horror sort of way. It's oh, really cool. So, like The Last of Us or like Annihilation. Yeah, it was really, yeah. really like weird, like, oh, like it like unnerves you to look at, you know, kind of like how Silent Hill should be, mm-hmm. right? 
Dusk Golem says the images are somewhat old, coming from 2020, and that the project might have evolved its look since then, conveniently or coincidentally. Masahiro Ito uh, announced in 2020 that he was involved with a new unnamed project as a core member, but wouldn't say what it was, right? Now, leaks are part and parcel these days, but Konami may have inadvertently legitimized the leak by filing a copyright claim to remove the images. Hmm. That's kind of how you're telling yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, we've been reporting on Silent Hill rumors for years at this point. So, so I'm so tired. I know. So it's a terribly <laughs> kept secret that the publisher is trying to revive the franchise, perhaps emboldened by Capcom's winning streak in the survival horror space. Interestingly, Dusk Golem says this is only one Silent Hill project in development, which lines up with previous rumors that Konami has been shopping the series around to multiple developers, including Bloober, the studio behind Layers of Fear and motherfucking The Medium. Love The Medium, by the way. Considering the frequency and consistency of leaks, it doesn't sound like we need to ask if there will be a new Silent Hill, but when? Hit the mic. When indeed. We've been talking about leaks and what ifs for three years now about this, Silent Hill. Yeah, and this is the most substantial thing to come out of it because, like, you mm-hmm. can see it. Yeah, it's not just people talking or people talking around it mm-hmm. or, or Akira Yamamoto going, I've made some music, but just for fun. Wink, wink, wink. So, the most substantial thing that we've seen, obviously. Um, and interesting that we're getting a double down on the idea that there's multiple projects, meaning that we can get different tones, you know, imagine having more of like a blooper style game versus mm-hmm. the concept art here might have been for a much more mainline revival of the series. Mm-hmm. I think this is exciting for fans. I think it does beg the question of like, oh, do we need a Silent Hill? And I'm on the side of like, why the fuck not? I'm like, why the fuck not? It's been years and years and years mm-hmm. since we've gotten anything. The last time we got something, it wasn't even a game. It was a fucking tech demo that Kojima hyped up, and then apparently somebody stepped on his dick at Konami, and then he left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we got a perfect game out of it, by the way, Death Stranding. <laughs> and people are still, like, positing, like, oh my god, Silent Hills is coming back. Oh, Let the dream die. I mean... <laughs> Jesus. I won't count it out. I won't count it out, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I can continue to fucking speculate, but what does it fucking matter? Mm-hmm. Right? Either Any way that you slice it, Konami wants a new Silent Hill for some reason. Okay? And it's the, all they have. It, I, mean, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, they got these, like, love hotels, and they got their, like, Castlevania NFTs, but, like... <laughs> what do they have left? <laughs> like, they, they need a new, yeah. like, game, even though they probably don't think they need to be in the game space anymore. They need it. Because, like, lot of money. their brand isn't relevant anymore. It's sad. Yeah? I don't think so. Konami, no longer relevant. No. You heard it here first. <laughs> probably true. <laughs> probably true. I mean... There hasn't been a uh, concerted or meaningful game to come out of them for fucking years. No, they're just re-releasing old Castlevanias and collections uh, with different aspect ratios. And we're getting uh, successors to that idea in in more interesting places, right? We're getting fucking Bloodstained, right? Even though... You know, it wasn't everybody's favorite, but like, you know, it's it's doing what Konami isn't doing. (laughs) It's putting out games, you know? That's true. That's true. But, uh, yeah, a modern-day Silent Hill. I, I think you need to fucking make it its own thing. Make, mm-hmm. it, make it bleed its own blood. Make it scary in its own way. And, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a general idea of Silent Hill that you need to evoke, obviously. Yeah. There's a baseline idea, but you don't have to do the same shit over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm literally giving you carte blanche so you don't even have to put fog in a town. 
You can do whatever the <laughs> fuck you want, man. You can make it as as long as you make it scary, psychologically driven, mm-hmm. and visually compelling. You have hit the core tenets yeah. of Silent Hill. It doesn't have to be a set of characters. It doesn't have to be Pyramid Head because Ito's gonna fucking die if you do that to him. It doesn't have to be the shit house combat. It doesn't have to be a walking sim. It could be if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be these things. And it definitely doesn't have to be motherfucking PT. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be first person. Do what you want. Because I feel like we've been so distanced mm-hmm. from Silent Hill. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I think this is the perfect time to reinvent what the IP could be. Yeah. Um, now, I I would like... There are a few things I would like from it. Obviously, I want it to be tense. I want that cerebral kind of psychological horror that the games are known to be at their best. Um, I wanted to maybe start small scale and then build into a bigger thing, right? It'd be cool if like, hey, I mean, some of the screenshots were like, this is a house, look at this pile of garbage, right? Like, so it seems like it's starting in like a smaller space. Yeah. And it'd be cool if like it slowly fanned out and maybe the end of the game is, oh, you end up in the fog strewn, iconic, you know, titular Silent Hill area, right? But I, I want just very visually interesting monsters and moments and things and I do want the combat to be combat. I don't want to feel like I'm mm. got my stupid noodle arms and I'm whacking a fucking stick at a fucking, you know, monster. <laughs> like, I want to feel like I can actually defend myself in these games. And, I mean, that's part of the deliberate nature of it, right? Like, you need to feel disarmed. You need to feel like you don't feel like Kratos, right, in these situations because to give you too much power is to make the game less scary. But I don't think that's true. I think we look at games like Resident Evil where it's like, yeah, there's survival horror games. And yeah, I feel awesome with a a shotgun, but there's still really tense moments and moments where you strip me of my tool set and make it even scarier. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of potential here. It's just like, how are they going to execute it? Yeah. I think on that front, I I agree to a degree. Yeah. Uh, If you're going to have combat, please make it good. Yeah. Or, don't have it at all. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can definitely skew in that direction of like, you know what? Bloober has proven that you can do a Silent Hill game without combat, and it's mm-hmm. called the medium. Yeah, and you could still have a compelling, interesting thing, but you really got to double down on the, nar- the narrative and atmosphere mm-hmm. to make that work. And I think Silent Hill has always been trying to lean in that direction, but mm-hmm. because they come from a place of like, well, we wouldn't exist if Resident Evil didn't do its thing. Mm-hmm. And again, there was an interview between Shinji Mikami and the creator of the first game, the director of the first game, where he was just like, dude, if we couldn't figure something out, we would just say, do what Resident Evil does. <laughs> I know, I know that, that probably will upset some Silent Hill fans, but that's just the nature of the business, baby. Mm-hmm. Like one came before the other and it can't help but inspire it, right? Mm-hmm. In the same way that people continue to claim that uh, Resident Evil 7 is completely inspired by P.T., Fun fact, Resident Evil 7 was in development before PT. <laughs> Just to let you know. Mm-hmm. Do what you will with that. Do what you will. Not saying that there isn't any cross-pollination, but mm-hmm. these these series seem to inspire or disinspire each other in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And I think um, with that in mind, look at the landscape of horror where you have examples. Like you can do meaningful horror and using meaningful all day, right? Uh, without having combat. Mm-hmm. I think you could. But don't you think that would be like if we were to have two entries that that would be what Bloober does? Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could do yeah. exactly that. Where so it's like, like <laughs> here's mainline, here's what you know, but it's also a response mm. to uh, Resident Evil remake, the okay. remakes, a response to like, well, how would we recontextualize what we tried to do with the first three games? Mm-hmm. And I think you need to come up with different answers that come from a similar place of like, this is very much inspired by the foundation, but don't do a fucking remake, remake. Yeah. You already got your chance. It was called Shattered Dreams? The one for the Wii and PS2? Yeah, it was a remake of part one. Hmm, okay. Except in the cold. 
I'm just telling you facts. Okay. Yeah, the cold can be scary. <laughs> the cold can be scary. There's a game called Cold Fear. <laughs> cold can be scary. There's a reason Dead Space comes out in winter, you know? It's true. It's the scariest month of the year, especially if you live in Alaska. True. <laughs> but yeah, uh, again, I my I think my expectations aren't extremely high. Maybe other people would feel different because they want you to basically give them exactly the feelings that they got from part two. That's not going to happen again. No. That's not going to happen again. I, I, I swear to you. But different could lead to something that you enjoy maybe even more. Mm-hmm. And I think they need to lean into different a little bit. I think if uh, you have the right minds and studio behind it, um, we could really get something in the vein of Resident Evil 7 that is inspired and borrowed from the years of horror in between, right? It could be a very inspired entry. Like, it, ta- it could take from Silent Hill lineage and stuff that, like, maybe modern, like, Japanese horror movies are doing or stuff like that and be its own beast, right? Like, there's so many learned lessons that Konami and the developing studio could take with this. That if they don't, it'll be a missed opportunity. Don't try and, like, play to the cheap seats on this one. Don't yeah. try and evoke the same fucking feelings that 2 did or 3 did, right? Like, mm-hmm. those were watershed moments in survival horror, but that's they're going to stay there, right? We can still go back to those games and enjoy them for what they are and all their jank and their weird dog endings and the UFL <laughs> ending. Whatever, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> that that's there if you want it. But I, I think they... I don't want to say they have like a, a responsibility to, but like I think th- they should try and push all cylinders to make this a new beast and thing. Sure, yeah. absolutely. Just go crazy. And from the concept art, I'm just like, yeah, it seems like they're leaning into a newer direction. Yeah, something that we perhaps haven't seen before in this series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, it's been so long. It's, you got a blank fucking palette here, man. Yeah. Paint something interesting. Yeah, well, you have so many studios that have been, like, imitators since, oh, right? Yeah. Like, I I don't know. Like, I Evil Within feels like it has a little bit, like, a Silent Hill DNA in it. Somewhat, yeah. Um, and then Slitterhead, right? Which is coming out. So which is like, definitely has its DNA, but trying to make an action game out of yeah, it. Yeah, so it's like you have these imitators that are, are doing things and are running away with the, yeah. the new formula. And it's like, Silent Hill's just been stagnating since. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you remind people that you are the king of psychological horror and video games? Because you, know, you haven't given us a good example in years. Yeah. Th- this will be a good, I guess, marker of whether they've lost it or not. You know, Lost their goddamn touch. We'll see. That's what the game should be about. Losing touch. <laughs> like physical touch? Both. Like, like you use it as a blunt metaphor mm-hmm. and uh, a-, a gameplay mechanic. Okay. That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, losing your, your touch with the world ever so slowly. The repetition of, of, of cycles, of repeating yourself, trying to make the same thing good again, and having it become an, a fucking dissonant nightmare over time. So, so it's just a metaphor for Konami? Yeah. Oh, cool. Exactly. Make a game about fuck Konami. Bingo. And at the end of it, there's an NFT that you can download. <laughs> of like fucking uh, Heather or Henry Mason. Yeah, yeah. It's the dog. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's oh, that, that'd be a good dog. NFT. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, wow. I hate that I said that. Yeah, that'd, be a, that'd be a good NFT. <laughs> <laughs> there's no such beast. Well, I think we arrived at the end of this long episode. I think so. I think we, we put in some, some good time here. I hope the listeners enjoyed this spiral of conversation spiral yeah spiral one day we'll get back to a tight 90 last week yeah tight the, la- the last episode we put out rather uh, that, that was a tight 90 it's crackling energy today yeah crackling i think this is good i think people are gonna love this one people are gonna listen yeah (laughs) people are gonna show up they're gonna be like you know what that sure was a podcast (laughs) but if you thought this was a podcast and you liked it hey go over to spotify you know we are there unlike what kevin said earlier give us a five star rating i didn't say we weren't there we aren't on stitcher oh fair maybe fair maybe who knows who knows i don't know stitcher yeah yeah 
You know what else is a five-star podcast? Hmm. Batman Unburied. Hmm. We're as good as the Batman. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. They probably I... have less. They probably have less. <laughs> <laughs> and where else? Uh, Twitter, at Save Room Show. I mean, there's a lot of crazy hot takes and shit going on uh, yeah. You know, on Twitter these days. We don't expel them. We brought just to you by stuff. Elon Musk. Yeah, brought to you by Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the, uh, what, uh, bored NFT bros. Bored ape bros. Yeah. Yeah, upset that they their three hundred thousand dollar NFTs are selling for uh, like a fucking coffee table price. <laughs> Oops. It is interesting to see. Well, not interesting. It's fucking hilarious it's great. to see like the the board eight bro existential crisis is having right oh, now as the as the crypto market crashes. I think it's funny that it's happening right as Square Enix is investing in it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's even better. It's delicious. It's delectable mm, even. So good. Mm, yummy. So good. So good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think we're done, man. I think we're done. You want to play some games? You want to you do this fucking stream situation? I want to eat food. You want to eat? Wanna oh, eat. yeah. He's talking about lunch earlier. Talking about lunch. Well, guys, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Catch you on the video game flip. Catch you on the flippity flop. Flop.